0: Welcome to the Spiritual Underground Podcast. This is Nan, as always, coming to you from my little wood shop in the backyard of uh, my New Albany, Indiana home, uh, also known as DTM Enterprises, where I do my woodworking out here and any kind of jobs that I have out in the world that might require shop work rather than than, uh, field work I bring in here. And then when uh, we have a podcast, I brush off this table and uh, my guest and I sit across from it, and we uh, deliver these messages of this 12-step recovery deal to, uh, to you folks out there. And I appreciate you all listening. Uh, DTMWW.net is my little business. Uh, you can email Dan at DTMWW.net. Find me on Facebook. My phone number's all over the place. You can find me easy enough. 12-step um, spiritual recovery is a book by James Christopher Cohn. It can be found on Amazon. Uh, check that out. And Darren Frank's music is wrapped around this podcast and, uh, considering the current virus crisis going on now, Darren cannot have guests. So, uh, he's still in the rehab joint with his physical rehab, uh, continues to send prayers to him. He is doing well. Um, so we'll get on with the show here. Uh, I, li- I, I might have said this before and I think I have on the podcast, but I, I'm in some podcasting network groups that, uh are the biggest thing is people are a looking for more listeners <laughs> and b looking for guests and uh guests i have the the niche i have chosen to do my podcast around almost has an unlimited amount of guests available to me uh and i begin to wonder why i haven't had ones on sooner uh, i do will give a little uh background here um And I just looked this up the other day because I was wanting to talk about it. I shared about it in a meeting the other night. My very first AA meeting was on March 23rd, 2011. Uh, I shouldn't, I'll back up. That actually wasn't. I was court ordered to do some AA when I was in my teens. But the first time I came in with that third tradition in my hip pocket, a desire to stop, was on that March 23rd, 2011 date and i had no idea what i was doing i looked on the church directory kept on staring me in the eyes every sunday morning and i kept on seeing that aa meeting listed in there and it said it call joe so i uh when i hit the wall and called my doctor and did some stuff signed up for some uh treatment and i called joe to see what i needed to do to go join this group whether there's an application or what was going to be needed did i need to show up early and, uh, and I, and I pulled up, he, he laughed at me and he still laughs at me when he sees me remembering that phone call that night. And I walked into, uh, pulled up to the church here local and, and I did about put my car in reverse three or four times and put it back in the parking spot and, and finally got the uh, gumption up to walk in this meeting. And the very first person I ran into was my guest today. And, and I'm almost, well, I'm not, I am hundred percent certain that, uh, Becky here is the first person to say, hi, my name is, and I'm an alcoholic. And she had a big smile on her face and looked happy to see me. Uh, I'm sure she realized she had not seen me before. Uh, we get that little newcomer thing going where you're pretty sure this person hasn't been here before. And uh, so that was the first hand that was stuck out to me. And uh, and it's interesting to, to, to keep on staying in contact with people over those amount of years. Uh, Becky's been... Uh, in my eyes, like a rock, you know, every time I bounced in and out of AA and came back to those meetings, there she still was. A number of folks continued to do that and proved to me that when they were saying keep coming back, they really meant it. They weren't just uh, just spouting that stuff off. Uh, and I stumbled for for years, and I'm sure you, yeah, I would be going missing for a while. And when you go missing out of the meetings, people know usually what's up. Uh, you usually didn't move or anything like that. Sometimes you did, but I was back out to my business and I'd come back in and get white chips and do that dance for a while. And, uh, then for whatever reason, the magic happened in early 2015 and, uh, my, and, and I finally got some traction in this thing. And, and I know, uh, you know, Becky was witness to that little journey to some extent. And, uh, I've always had a warm spot in my heart for her. She was just always that, just, just that quintessential AA, love and and uh you're that happy to see you every time you came back every single time was a smile on your face like you just was here last night uh i've told my other friends and and i hope this doesn't come off uh, sideways but uh it's like a maternal influence to me it's like a motherly type of love type of deal going on where they see you back again and and it's like a it just warmed my heart every time, and it still does. And uh, not too long ago, I invited her to come on the podcast with a little bit of intrepidation, wondering if maybe that wouldn't be part something she'd want to do. And uh, she quickly said, Yes, I'd love to. So, how are you doing today, Becky?
1: I'm doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day, and uh, we, we almost made it through the end of this day. Almost. Yeah. Days at a time. Yeah. Right? So, at a time. Uh, great way to end the day with somebody that you've been connected with in this program for a long time, and that spiritual connection is important to me, too. So what do you want me to start, all the way back in the very beginning?
0: Uh, I always ask people for their sobriety date, because that is really one of the most important days in my life today.
1: To the best of my recollection.
0: Yeah. I did have a guy sit here and said his was either March the 14th or 15th. He did not plan to get sober that day.
1: (laughs) I believe my sobriety date is January the 12th of 2007.
0: That's what I have in my records.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) I believe that's the date, because... um, uh, I didn't, had not yet become a daily drinker, and um, once I decided uh, I was going to get serious about getting sober and and join this fellowship, I I had to roll back the tape to try to figure out what was the last day I actually did drink, because that's one thing they ask you in your home group. Yeah, it seems uh, to be important. uh, To write it down, and so I had to actually roll back the tape and come to the conclusion that this had to be the day based on uh, my experience that I will share during the story. It'll get a little bit more clear uh, when you hear that part of the story. But um, I, uh, you know, I started out in life as a very fearful child, and I had no reason to be that way. And to this day, I would say, if I were born at a later time, I probably would have been diagnosed with a generalized anxiety disorder uh, because I remember being fearful as a child. My first real memory of being very afraid was in a Catholic church before we tore that one down and built a new one. And I wasn't old enough to go to communion yet, and I must have been maybe five. The whole family got up went to communion, and I was sitting in that seat by myself, and I could see that great big statue of Jesus with the blood pouring out of his heart and scared the bejesus out of me i mean um to this day i don't know why they would do that to little kids <laughs> but <laughs> that scared me and, and that was my first real memory of fear um and i don't have a lot of memories um of, of early childhood other than maybe that one and and uh, and, and and the and the joy of of having many brothers and sisters because being in the Catholic family that I was in I'm second oldest eight kids grew up in the south end of Louisville uh, I was getting ready to ask that yeah uh mom was stay-at-home mom dad was a Louisville police officer and um and, and so as far as I am concerned it was a happy childhood other than I I've always had fear Um, uh, from what I was told, and I have no memory of this either, I cried every day when they put me in school, the first grade. You didn't have to go to kindergarten back then, and I was, uh, my birthday's at the end of the year, so I went to first grade at five years old, and I cried every single day they put me in there. Again, I have no recollection of that, um, but my mom tells me that they said if she's still crying when she comes back after Christmas break, you're, you're keeping her out for a year, Hmm. you know, but, but... Magically, I had turned six over Christmas break, and I was ready for first grade, I guess. So Uh. I didn't cry after that. And and, um, I remember having uh, fear when I would learn about a disease uh, that I was going to get it Mm. Um, uh, early on. You know, my mother was always running me to the doctor to prove to me I didn't have cancer or something, you know. So, uh, God love her, I don't know how she put up with that, because my older sister, who's a year older than I am, didn't have those fears, and I don't know why I did, but but I did. So, um, I was uh, either blessed or cursed with a highly sensitive system that made me aware of things that may or may not be true. Um, but anyway, so I go through, you know, the the childhood with uh, with a lot of joy, a lot of brothers and sisters, a lot of responsibilities, being second oldest eight, and and, um, you know, helping out mom's little helper because my sister and I both took on that role. And um, but a lot of joy because we had a lot of fun as kids. I remember laughing so hard the coke comes out your nose. I don't know if you <laughs> ever had yeah. that experience, but yeah, that, that one I remember, it <laughs> does burn. Um, so we had good times and, and, um, and we had good times and I went to school and I had, you know, fun because I like people. I'm very social. I, had, um, I, I was social in the respect that I had a lot of friends but didn't have a lot of really close friends because I think looking back on that, um, when you have such a loving family unit, you're just as comfortable at home um, as you are with friends. Um, And I had enough siblings close enough to my age that I didn't have to form really close bonds with other people because I had that love and that, and that friendship and that camaraderie at home. Um, uh, Because I don't feel like I didn't, I don't feel like that I was one of those people that said, you know, I never really felt like I was close to anybody because I didn't feel like I measured up. I've heard people say that. Mm-hmm. That's not the way I felt. So I'm just assuming it's because I had that love and camaraderie at home with, with a lot of kids close to my age and didn't have to have that special bond with any one person. But, you know, you have your friends at this age and that age, and you kind of you, you change your uh, change your friends as you age. And And uh, long about high school, I changed the friends that I ran with because the one friend that I used to hang out with all the time was madly in love with any Army uh, guy she would see coming down the pike because that was during the Vietnam War and there were buses and buses of Army fellows coming in and out of Louisville all the time. And and she just wanted to get hung up with boys a lot earlier than I was ready to do that. So I kind of changed the people I was running with. And one of the ladies I was running with was... a. same age as I am, and her dad was also in the same profession as mine, so, uh, uh, and then the other one around the corner was a year younger than us, but she had a big Catholic family, eight kids, and so we all just kind of hung around together, and it was her sister who was older that inter- introduced me to alcohol, not that we didn't have it in my family, you know, we were Catholics, they did mm-hmm. drink, my yeah. dad had parties where they drank, uh, change parties, they called them, because the police, they were on a swing shift, and, um, Apparently once a month, when they would change shifts, somebody had to have a party at their house. So I remember a bunch of cops at my house playing poker in the backyard and drinking beer. But, but you know, alcohol wasn't a daily part of our home life. But uh, this this uh, friend of mine and her older sister, uh, who also had a couple of older older brothers that um, I didn't realize at the time, uh, had much worse. Uh, home life than than I ever would have imagined and and so consequently they drank and um, so my first beer was with my friend's brother who was dating my sister at the time and um, hanging out with a bunch of people in the neighborhood. there was a bunch of people in our neighborhood, but bunch of people in our neighborhood all I, the demographics were just such there were kids there all the time um. And all the guys played basketball at, at my house because my dad was smart enough to know we want our kids at home. He's yeah. a cop. We want them where we can see them. So we had the ping pong table. And we had the kids at our house all the time. You'd go home from school, go down to the basement, and, and there'd be nobody there that was related to you, but there'd be 20 kids in the basement, <laughs> right? Uh, but mom and dad were really um, uh, really good about letting kids hang out at our house, and, and that was great. Everybody loved coming to our house. So um, had that first beer, and I just had one. Right. And I don't remember thinking a whole lot of it other than, you know, it's a beer and everybody's drinking it. So I had one and don't remember having any fear that I was going to get in trouble or don't have remember having any, you know, oh, my God, this is the answer for me because yeah. I didn't have social anxiety. I had fear, but I didn't have social anxiety. So, uh, you know, it was just something everybody was doing. So I drank one and I went home. and And, and so I didn't, you know, didn't really have alcoholic tendencies early in my life but but beer was always there and the people we ran with were we drank beer and the, the the guy that I hooked up with the first time when I was finally ready to have a boyfriend was somebody just made me laugh so hard you could not not be around him and so uh he also came from a pretty dysfunctional family and his uh I think his father was already dead and his mother was a severe alcoholic and there was a lot of drama in that family. I didn't know about till years later either. But um,
0: and it made him funny.
1: It made him, yeah. He, he you know, we got married when I was 19, or 18. 18. Wow. Yeah, 18, and uh, 10 months later I was leaving him uh, because he was a drug addict and an alcoholic, and, and and I didn't know that till I married him. But I was just a kid, you know. They they say you're an adult at 18, but they say your brain doesn't develop till yeah. you're 25. No. So you know, you figure that out. Yeah. Not a, yeah, I thought I was growing
0: up at 18 but uh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah we I learned we later adults,
1: didn't we so anyway that marriage didn't last very long and I moved back home my my uh mom mom and dad didn't want me marrying him in the first place but uh you know what can they do I married him a couple weeks after I turned 18 right um so I moved back home, and, and my mother insisted that I get my marriage annulled because I was Catholic, and she wanted to be sure I didn't go to hell, and so I did, and, you know, did whatever it took to get the marriage annulled. So my mother would be happy. In the meantime, I get fixed up with another guy, and he is the nicest guy on the planet. Again, he was one of those guys that made me laugh. And, I, you know, I am one of these kind of kids that is always serious and always worried about what's, what I need to be doing. A uh, rule follower. I'm a rule follower. Everything um, I have to do, what I'm supposed to do, and I have to make plans, and I have to be sure it's perfect, and and I understand that's part of trying to handle some sort of anxiety. But you hear that more from people in my experience, and maybe it's just because of the people I run with uh, from from needing that sense of order because you come from a chaotic family. Yeah. But that didn't that that was not the case with mm-hmm. us. It might have been chaotic because there was eight of us, but it wasn't chaotic because there was abuse or you know none of that. Not was the long. chaos most right. people
0: think about when you say yeah. that and apply it to family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, it a least lot not, going on, but
1: yeah, it was like it was, but it was fun. It was yeah. a lot of fun. So um, now that's my part of the story because I'm one of the older uh, older people, and I go back home and and uh, just started. <clears throat> oh, I dated a couple guys, obviously, but then this one guy that made me laugh really hard and took me fishing. I loved to go fishing um you know he was in my life we had just started dating when my dad got killed in an accident so i was uh i think i was 19 by then on the job Mm-hmm. got killed on the job but it was oh he had already retired hmm. and six months later got killed on his new job
2: oh
1: um so consequently the uh, big insurance policy that was taken out to protect us if he got killed on the job got canceled mm. right before he got killed on the job <laughs> so anyway mom didn't do that, do that bad she had she had enough kids left that um, social security you know helped pay her enough money yeah. to feed everybody and eventually she found another good old boy that uh, god god bless him took on my mom with those kids <laughs> and uh, he was good to us but he liked to drink too i mean he drank case of beer day uh. and uh, Good old boy, and good to us, and, and made me feel safe, and I always knew he'd knock the heck out of somebody if, if they'd try to hurt one of his kids, including me. Right? Yeah. So uh, that, was, that was nice. And, and so, uh, so because I, 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 looking back on it, I would say I was playing musical chairs when my dad got killed, and I sat down, and there was the guy that I married. The next one. All right. And so uh, he was a fun guy. We were good friends. We were good friends. And, uh, and I can only say this about me, but as this young lady felt like I was supposed to get married, right? I was supposed to. That's what you do. That's what you, you do. Know? And, and, uh, and so I, I, I did. I mean, you know, we, we dated for a little while. We moved in together and, you know, and living in sin, as some people would think at the time. And that eventually uh, we got into Amway. I don't know if you know what that is. Yep, it's a multi-marketing system. And, uh, we got into Amway and, and if we, uh, made it to a certain level, they're going to send us on a trip to us, So we better get married because they won't let us go on a trip together if we're not married. So that's kind of why we decided <laughs> to do it. So we got married and, uh, and we had a good time. We had a really good time. And we ran around with a bunch of people in Amway and we didn't really drink during that period of time. Cause they just, they just, the group we ran with didn't drink. Right. And Not that I wouldn't, if somebody gave me a beer, I might have drank. But we just didn't do that. It just wasn't part of what we did. Um, so we uh, we did that for a while, and then that uh, you know didn't make us enough money, and we went in an economic downturn, and he was being laid off every other week, and then we were going to move to Texas. And long story short, he moved back from Tex. He came back from Texas. He and another guy went down there to get jobs, and then then my girlfriend and I were going to go down there, and. um, and, uh, and we were going to live happily ever after in Texas, but, but in Texas, they couldn't get jobs that were making as much money as they were making here, but we were just laid off for a while, right? So they came back and, and they said, you know, if, at that time I wasn't working because I was doing that Amway gig and, and, um
0: it's a little bit like work ain't it well it was it was <laughs> work so. but it was fun work yep, but yeah. you know wasn't not a, steady a payroll paycheck. job
1: wasn't a pay steady paycheck and nobody in my family ever been at sales so you know um that was my that was my that was my experience um in lieu of college i didn't go to college i got an amway and uh, they taught me a whole lot about sales and business and enterprise i mean we went to all the you know training classes all right, the stuff yeah. you could get to 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 learn this stuff, and that's where I got into all of those positive thinking, Zig Ziglar, see you at the top, and all that, and you know, and he says you just build a better you, and and all of those things that I read talked about how you get rid of your bad habits and started developing good ones. And so, remember, I said as a rule follower, <laughs> yeah, I'd follow the rules, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I was I was clicking along, and and and, uh, and this guy that I was married to said, "Why well, don't you just, uh, why don't you come back when I come back from Texas?" Well, you get a job, and we'll just, you work in that job for a couple years so we can save up enough money to buy a house. By that time, maybe I won't be laid off anymore. Okay, fine. Well, I get a job, and for the first time in a while, I got my own money. (laughs) Well, that's fun, right? And so what I realized, when I hired into this company, and I'm still at this company today, by the way. I've been there 40 years. Wow. And um, I hired into this company. as a young kid. I said, I don't know what you sell here, but I know you sell something. So whenever I can, I want to move into the sales department. So they hired me on a switchboard, paying me $750 a month. And here I am 40 years later still at the same firm because they've been real good to me. But um, anyway, so I have my own money. And the one thing about sales, for those of us that have been in that career, um, they like to party.
2: Yep.
1: And, um, and, And, again, I wasn't opposed to alcohol. Just in Amway, we just didn't run around with a lot of people that drank um but i you know i would go out some of the older ladies would take me out for lunch on friday and they'd have a cocktail all right so yeah. <laughs> okay sounds like fun <laughs> after a hard day's work a lot of those guys uh would go across the bar to the i can't remember the name of that little bar in downtown louisville they used to go to and it, you know we'd go over there and have a couple beers yeah, at walk work across here. street after work and-, and they did it they did it all the time and, and and so i just started following following suit there and uh, the gentleman that I was married to, really, really good guy um, that I was married to, his father was a really bad alcoholic, you know, like one of those that lived on the streets. And oh, wow. They found him dead on the street mm-hmm. sidewalk. and sidewalk, and, you know, one of those that drank, um, the story goes, he would drink uh, mouthwash, or yeah. if he couldn't get it, he was going to drink whatever he could get. There was going to
0: get some alcohol in that system, somehow mm-hmm. or another, mm-hmm. in one form or another.
1: And... Um, he died when he was 54 and so that that particular person that i was married to was concerned that someday i could become an alcoholic um so he was you know just worried and, and, and rightfully so. I mean, if I grew up in a, in a household and, and saw yeah, that. You'd be a little gun shy. You would. You would. So he was concerned. And, and he liked to drink. But his, he would always say, well, you know, I don't see any point in drinking unless you get drunk. Hmm. So he didn't drink unless he was going to get drunk. And that was never my intention. My intention was to drink because the one thing that I did notice, and you've heard me say this in meetings, is it, it became my liquid courage and my liquid patience. and in retrospect the patience now um I, i know clearly now after this long of time of working the steps and evaluating myself it wasn't the patience that i needed it was the lack of thinking and so if i were bored i'd have to shut it off um because i didn't know that my it was my thinking that was my problem so um so we fast forward the clock through uh, a 20-year relationship that that um we we ended the marriage, I should say I ended the marriage after 21 years. And during that period of time I had a son and um and I started really evaluating the quality of the relationship and um and and again doing a lot of internal work and reading a lot of things and and uh, evaluating everything i realized that i married that man for the wrong reasons i married that man because my dad died he was a really really good friend but young ladies i think in their quest to find the man because we're told we have to be married we're not told that we're we're There's... the implication is if we're not married, there must be something wrong the with us. The right? norm certainly
0: is to be married. <laughs> or at least it was back then. Well, there's not uh, a lot of difference in the men either because we're, we're I need a girl on my arm. You
1: need a girl on your arm, but you don't have to be married. No. We have to be married, yeah. right? You yeah. need a girl on your arm. There's a big difference, and that's where the whole commitment thing comes in. That's funny, I think, now, but back yeah, then it wasn't it funny. Is. So um, anyway, if 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 you could go back, you know, sometimes my mother gave me my—, my uh, my senior high school picture in a, in a frame recently. And if you go back and talk to that young lady today, um, you know, you say, you know, this, I know you think you got to have a husband right now, but won't you wait till you really know what it is you need in a man? You need to know what you need in a man. And so I kind of finally figured out what that is now. And, uh, and, uh, doesn't mean we need to be married, but I know what I need in a man. And, uh, and so I was very uncomfortable in the marriage because I wasn't getting what I needed in the marriage. And, 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 and I, that that, man of mine, he was a lovely man, but he would always be fond of saying, you're as happy as you want to make up your own mind to be. Well, I know I started in AA, but I have also been to Al-Anon. And when um, I, mean, I could just see an alcoholic husband saying that to the wife. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you said, yeah, well, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, right, you know, but that's kind of how I felt, I was very resentful, because some of the, the things that I was unhappy with were things, the behavior he could change, if he wanted to, and was not unreasonable request, um, so I started getting unhappy, because that was always the answer, I, I, I gave him a book one time that was recommended to the group of people we ran with in Amway, Called The Man of Steel and Velvet of Man of Steel and Velvet and was recommended to the men to read. So I bought it and gave it to him. He said, I'm not reading that. He said, I'm not changing for you or anybody else. Well, that should have told me right there, maybe that was not the right man for me. But <laughs> I can remember one time during the marriage he said, You've changed and I said, Well, I certainly hope so, right? Right. You know, I mean, as yeah. we get older we yeah. should get wiser right. no and we doubt. should change, yeah. right? So, um, so over time, I was disenchanted, and, 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 and the, the song that you play before all of these uh, podcasts and after at the end is a really good song, because uh, it, it talks about how you they you always tried to be what they wanted you to be, yep. right? So the the concern for me was, oh, God, what's my mom going to think if I get divorced the second time, right? Oh, yep. my God. One was bad enough. Fortunately for me, I didn't marry that one in the church, so I didn't have to worry about Getting that whole annulment thing done because I was already living in sin as far as the Catholics were concerned, right? So anyway, uh, my alcohol my alcoholic consumption continued to increase during the 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 career, which became more and more about how much more will you do for the company? Because any sales organization is, you know, what are you going to do for me this year? I don't care how good you did last year; you got to do more every year. And anybody that's been in that kind of environment understands that. And so the pressure to do more, to be more, to do more, to be more, uh, in the office, along with um, my my fear and my insecurity about just about anything, including not having enough money to feed my my family and and uh, my child that I now had, and all of that stuff. Uh, so my 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 drinking increased, but it was not until I want to say in my. Um, In my 40s, somewhere along the line, I realized that sometimes I didn't want to stop. It felt like I didn't want to. Sometimes it felt like I didn't want to stop. I didn't realize at the time that it was my body saying, I'm not letting you stop. And I remember going to one of my friends in the office whose parents were alcoholics, and I said, I'm starting to wonder what this is about. Uh, You know, most of the time I'll have a couple cocktails and quit, but every now and then I don't want to stop. And um, she said, why don't, you go, why don't you go to an AA meeting? There's one right around the corner over in DuPont, the Token 3 Club used to be.
2: Yeah.
1: Right around the corner on Tuesday nights at 6.30, I think, it's a newcomer's meeting. will not you try it? Maybe you'll learn something. So I go, and I learned a few things. And, and you'd go around a table, and you'd say, I'm Becky, I'm an alcoholic, because you're afraid not to. Right. right? That's why that. I said it the first time. So you it. say it. I didn't know if I was yep. I was there to learn <laughs> I still remember anyway.
0: Stumbling through that When you hit me with that That day You mm-hmm. know Of going You know And it was that Monkey see monkey do Kind mm-hmm. of thing You know It was mm-hmm. like Okay that, I, I quick, I'm quick, i a quick watcher And listener uh, And I saw That's what I'm supposed to do Now today I know mm-hmm. I don't have any idea mm-hmm. I have any idea What an alcoholic Was walking in there
1: well, No but. you don't Well, I didn't. I was there to find out more about the program. That was what I was sent there to be. But that is
0: a trip that you took. That advice and did that. I mean, that is really some higher power kind of nudging stuff. Because I mean, who in the world would actually take up that? (laughs) But I've always always wanted to learn. Reject that, right? No, I mean, you tell most alcoholics or somebody budding alcoholic, Uh whatever that. Uh Hey, why don't you go to? They're like, oh no, not me. I don't need to go there. What are you saying about me? Uh You said, well, yeah, I'll go check it out. Just like it's an our Zig Ziglar seminar.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it was. So I thought, well, I'll check it out. And I went for a while, and I and I started running with some people. And, you know, because it was early, and it's after work, and I didn't have to be home to anybody because by that time I was divorced, and that would be a Tuesday night. was night I didn't have my son. So, well, it worked for me. Yeah, we'll go. And then I started going to dinner with some of these people. And, and um, these people just just always talking about other people and, you know, ragging them out and stuff. I thought, you know, this is not. Hmm. Uh, these are not the kind of people that I'd really want to run with. And uh, and then, because it was a newcomers meeting, I'd, I'd sit in the because I worked close by, so I'd have to get there. Uh, and, and I'd be sitting in the in the area where they used to be able to smoke cigarettes and drink uh, Coke and coffee. And I'd meet some people, and they'd say, "Well, you know, I'd, I think I'm gonna get my kids back." And you know, it's like these are not people like me. And and. But I, I continued to go, and I, and I thought, well, maybe I should get a sponsor and work the steps. I got the book, read the book, and maybe I should get a sponsor and work the steps. So I, you know, you observe people, and you say, okay, well, this one looks like somebody that I could relate to. I think she was a nurse. And so um, I asked her to be my sponsor. She just flat out said no. No, that was it, and a paragraph. Well, that's interesting. So I went through the book and, and kind of did, did what it said in the book and, mm-hmm. and you know, and tried to work through the steps all by myself because that woman told me no. And, uh, and so I thought, okay, I'm done. And uh, the experience I had then was I was still going to those meetings, and I had a client who moved to Costa Rica. And uh, when they would come up for Christmas, I would take them out to dinner at Bruce Chris. And uh, we would always meet in the bar and uh, have a glass of wine, and then we'd have dinner. So I went to Ruth Chris, but there was a terrible snowstorm that night, and they beat me there. Even though my office is real close, they beat me there. So um, they were sitting in the bar when I went in, and I wasn't going to drink because I was going to AA. And uh, (laughs) the woman hands me the goblet with a great big grin on her face and she said I took the liberty of of, of ordering you your favorite wine and handed me that goblet and I said okay here it goes boom drank that had another glass of wine with them at dinner and noticed on the way home I didn't crave it anymore because remember the big book says Hmm. if you think you're an alcoholic or you're not sure go out and try, try to have a couple cocktails and see if you still crave it so I didn't I didn't crave it that night and I thought hmm I must not be an alcoholic. So I went home, didn't go back to any more AA meetings. And and then so the next several years progressed where I had just enough AA in me to know what to watch for. And I'm very fortunate that most of the client dinners that I have are next door to my office, which is a 30-minute drive from my home. So when I would take a client out for dinner, if I had a couple glasses of wine and then drive home, it started becoming a necessity. I started realizing that every single time I drank wine with clients at dinner, it was all I could do to get home to get more alcohol in me. So I remembered from my AA experience that that was the sign that I was headed for trouble. So step one, I admitted I was an alcoholic, step one. I took step one once that realization came into my life. And for a long time, I tried to think, okay, so if I'm going to quit drinking, how's this going to (laughs) work, right? I take clients out for dinner. We go to cocktail parties. I'm not sure how this is going to work. So I continued to drink probably for a year during that period of time when I knew I had a problem I would still not drink and drive I would go home and then I'd have some more scotch and sodas while I was reading my book and I probably drank I probably got drunk maybe three times a week during that time Um, and um, so long about the fall I think you know I had I forgot to I haven't gotten married again but I've been with the same guy now for Twenty-something years, um, and um, and he has three sons. And so, for purposes of this story, I'm going to call him my stepsons because it's just easier. And if you hear me say my husband, we're not really married, so nobody says she's not telling the truth. Okay. But I might call him my husband, you know. So. Labels. <laughs> it's just easier to yeah, say that, right? Yeah, then to wiggle uh, around all the other. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I don't want anybody to think I'm not truthful, but I'll just use those words because it's just easier. So, uh, one of the stepsons that I have uh, was struggling. And had been struggling for a while with uh, drugs, and and um, and of course, you know, they are master manipulators, and and I, you know, they, I don't live in the same town, so it was harder for me to see. And I just thought it was a normal teenage, you know, um, rebellion type. You know, he was very argumentative and
0: a phase. And, uh,
1: yeah, and and <laughs> I remember. My guy saying, "I thought you were going to divorce me over that kid," and remember, we're not married. But that was the word he right, used. Right, but yeah. uh, he says, "I thought you were going to divorce me over that kid," and I said, "Well, truthfully, I just, I just thought it was just he was just being an arnery teenager. I didn't know it was because he had a problem. But when he finally fessed up to having a problem, had a real problem, and um, and asked his dad to send him to rehab, uh, he went to rehab in November of 2006, I think." <laughs> It was in the fall, and uh, and I said, you know what? I think I'll quit drinking. Um, because one of the things that he would say when he would want to argue about the merits of making pot legal, we didn't know he was doing a lot of stuff, but um, he would say, well, you all drink, you know. So I thought, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna quit drinking. Um, I know I got a problem. I'm gonna start going to Alcohol Anonymous. Uh, I had been praying for God to keep me from getting drunk and uh, he was doing that same thing with the church bulletin right you know here's your here's your sign for yeah. a year and so i thought i'm gonna go with that AA meeting at our church um and those people be different from the ones at the token club right because they won't be just church coming out folks. of jail they'd they be church going folks. <laughs> first guy <laughs> i saw when i went in was shag and and those of you don't know shag he's got real long hair and he got tattoos all over his body and he, you know real a uh, biker looking dude and uh had the oxygen tank on and you know even then that was the first guy i saw when i walked to the AA group thinking these people at church are going to be different yeah. than they were <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there's only about five people in that group at the time it, it kind of grew into something really special for a while yeah, and did. um so anyway i went and then they said the only requirement for membership was a desire to stop drinking so i had a desire to stop drinking because my stepson was in uh, in rehab and uh, so i went and so yeah, but I yeah, I'm probably going to drink at that Christmas party, right? And I'm probably going to. But I just have to have a desire to stop drinking. So I, I went to a training thing and I drank a couple cocktails then. I didn't let myself get drunk. And then I went to a Christmas party, drank a couple cocktails, did not let myself get drunk. But that was one of those n- white knuckle things, right? You know, you I knew I wanted more, but I didn't because yep. I really did want to stop and
0: Yeah, it kind uh, of put a chill in me to think about those times mm-hmm. when you like you kept I kept myself from getting Made drunk yourself. because of the yeah, the, mm-hmm. the circumstances needed that Great. and I could do Great. it and I could also tell myself that that also put a little ammo over I ain't too bad
1: mm-hmm. right <laughs> right because I, admi- I can stop <laughs> I'd already admit when it. I really want to yeah I already admitted I was and I already knew I wanted to quit drinking and I had been praying for two years for God to help me not get drunk every time I drank um, I just didn't understand his first drink got me drunk right I didn't understand that until I really got into the program and I went to uh, rehab um uh, That he was at in Atlanta, Georgia, they had a family week, and uh, his dad asked me if I would go, and I said absolutely because, you know, I've known this kid for quite some time by this time, and you know, he felt like one of my kids to me, and so, in fact, I was probably closer to him than than the other two because he lived with us more than than the other two did. Mm -hmm. So, I was real close to this kid, and uh, and we went to family week, and 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 that's why I say I don't remember exactly if that date is accurate, because when I came back, I came back from that family week knowing I needed to get a sponsor, and I needed to go through the steps with a sponsor, and I needed to do what they were telling me to do in the rooms of alcoholics on so... Um, So when I had to come up with my sobriety date, I remembered that that I didn't drink on the plane on the way down, right? And I said, okay, let's see, that was a Thursday that I have uh, had. No, I wouldn't have drank that night. I had my son. So I backed up and said that had to be the last time I drank. That's why I'm not real sure about my sobriety date. But um, anyway, that's what I did. And um, the one thing that I learned in in family week was very, very uh, informative to me. And, And it was... The, um the conditions that they taught us in family week that would that would have to be there and they said if these things are present then it's almost a 100 percent a surety that you will turn into an, an addict of some sort and 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 one of the things was a um, some sort of a mental disorder and uh, and I would say that anxiety disorder for me was was it right um and and then the second thing is some sort of a a childhood, teenage trauma, and that would have been my dad getting killed. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is the availability of your drug of choice, which was, for me, alcohol. And um, and it was legal, and it was available. And uh, and if those conditions are met, there's a real high probability you will turn into an addict at some point. The other interesting thing in, uh, in that was uh, the idea at the time that the number four addictive behavior in the country at the time was exercise
2: really Mm -hmm.
1: and I don't know if you remember me talking about that girlfriend I had in high school when I changed friends and it was her sister that introduced me to alcohol for Uh the first time uh she at one point did become addicted she told me she she got so addicted to running she got down to 86 pounds and she was 5 foot 6
0: yeah I've seen it
1: uh-huh. and uh, I, you know it seems bizarre to me just like getting addicting to gambling seems bizarre to me because you're not ingesting that right. but apparently yeah. you do yeah, and, you know, chemicals. by
0: all means, it's good for you. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I mean, so you can't really you know just mm-hmm. tell you're uh, drinking yourself to death or you're doing something. You know, you're drinking too much. You're shooting drugs. You're mm-hmm. taking too many pills. You're doing, you know, but it's amazing. Uh, exercise it.
1: Mm-hmm. But it creates the chemicals. Yep. Just like gambling will create a chemical mm-hmm. in your right. body. You yep. don't have to ingest yep. it. It creates it. So yep. I was the fascinated behavior. by that. Yeah, the runner's high fascinated by that and uh, so anyway I came back from that uh, family week and I said okay I'm going to go to this meeting it at, at, uh, I'm going to go to a bunch of meetings and I'm going to try to find uh, speaker meetings where women are speaking. So I can figure out who I want to be my sponsor. So that's how I chose my sponsor. I, I heard my sponsor speak and tell her story down at uh, New Albany's Smoke and Token Club. That's calculated and,
0: uh, stuff. That's really thinking through this AA thing, you know. I mean, it's, <laughs> well, that's, me, that's
1: the way I yeah, live right. my whole life, yeah. right? I mean, like I have to plan. I'm a planner for a living, you yeah. know, so I have to plan everything. and I have to do all the work and... That's just uh, this is the way I roll. Find uh,
0: women's <laughs> meetings so I can stalk a sponsor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't specify women's meetings, but uh, if I wanted to hear women's a speaker, yeah, right? So I heard her speakers. tell her story, and so I thought, well, I can relate to her because she had some similarities in her story that I had. And so uh, uh, she she put me to work right away. I mean, right away. She was really good for me because um, she she had me doing some serious uh, workbook Step study stuff. It wasn't just, let's go through the book and read it and do what it says in the book. It was like this great big workbook, real thick thing. And we had to, I not only had to read it, I had to write it out. And then I had to answer the questions. And I was fussing about, what the hell do I have to write it for? It's right here in print. What, I have to write it out. <laughs> she told me later, she said, I figure I really had to keep you working because <laughs> you're going to be wanting to go way too fast, <laughs> right? So... Oh God! And so, anyway, she was real good for me, and we'd meet every Wednesday before I did my my home group and go through the steps. and And she'd say it's not good enough. You're gonna to have to go back and do another one, and, and you know. And she was she was good for me because she knew that I'm kind of this, let's get her done. Okay, I'm done. Check the box. You know, mm-hmm. that's done. I'm done with that. I don't have to do that anymore. Um. But I have to tell you, uh, I, I, I forgot to mention one key element of me being ready the second time after having gone as the uh, informational uh, quest the first time there's a guy that that I know and I'm not going to say much about him because if somebody listened to this story they might be able to figure out who it is and um, anyway let's just say he was probably the the biggest Alcoholic I knew. You know, the one that that I would see in a in such a light that I would say, Man, that guy's really got a problem,
0: (laughs) right? I get it.
1: Uh you know, one of those that would just wreak havoc. And um I hadn't seen him for a while but I'd heard he got sober, right? So I happened to answer a phone when he called the office one day for somebody else and they weren't around and I thought, well it'd be courteous to answer this phone and just take a message. And it was him on the phone. I said, thank God it, I heard you got sober. And he, he said, how'd you, I said, how'd you do it? And he said, I, I went to AA. And I said, really? I said, I, I went to AA and that didn't seem to work to me for me. I said, what what makes it work for you? And he said, 10, 11, 12. That was the answer for me. Well, of course it is. I never worked 10, 11, 12. Yeah. I did it once, thought I was done, checked the box. Remember that? I checked the box, done, didn't have to drink after that second glass of wine that time. I was done with A.A. I'd already done all my homework and everything, but I had to do it again. I had to do 10, 11, 12, over and over and over again. So I credit him to this day, and he knows it. That's uh, cool. For giving me the magic key that made it work the second time. You know, getting the sponsor was important but remembering what he said about having to do 10 11 and 12 was was very instrumental for me uh, he hooked me up with a woman in louisville when i first got started that fall before i found my sponsor and uh said you go to this meeting she's always there i went to the meeting she wasn't there yeah i called her first asked her if she'd be there oh yeah i'm always there i went to the meeting she wasn't there but <laughs> they gave me a free big book and I said okay fine but uh, anyway it was a delightful meeting and I saw somebody in there I knew and uh, it wasn't a bad night but <laughs> You know, that's just kind of how it works when you're brand new and you're thinking, well, they told me this. Now, yeah. you know how that is. I do, yeah. These guys never tell you the truth in here, right? So uh, It's
0: like a game, you know?
1: I <laughs> they knew thought they so, were. right? They, probably, they <laughs>
0: was in cahoots. They knew.
1: Yeah, and they tell you to call. You gotta call me you got to call me, and they never answered their phone. <laughs> what the hell is this when they call? Call <laughs> me every day. And, I get and they voicemail. never answer their phone. It's like, oh, you know, I just don't understand this. So, um uh, <laughs> <so>, Anyway. <laughs> We go we go through the, the process and and uh, you know and I'm a member of that home group and that and I was there At, at first I I couldn't go to ninety meetings in ninety days I had too many other responsibilities but I went to as many meetings as I could and and I and I do follow the rules I did read the big book and you know and I'd say look I ain't going to ninety meetings in ninety days and it doesn't say that in the big book and she said well just go to as many as many meetings as you can good she knew me right she knew how to how to how to how to take care of of me uh in her responsibility as my sponsor she was really good for me so um i continued to go to my home group and loved every minute of it because i am a social person as you know Mm -hmm. somebody walk in the door i'm gonna say hi yep and uh and i and i loved that church and i loved the group that we were building and uh you know some people came and that five groups five people you know turned into 10 and they turned into 20 and and you know, we got we got to have nice nice little fellowship there in that church and you know, then then God brings me the women in my life and the first one I sponsored, we went through the steps. As far as I know, she's still sober, but after about a year she quit coming. But I've run into her a time or two and she says she's still sober and her dad's in the program, so I don't this, I don't doubt that she is. Um, but she quit coming and I don't really talk to her. But God had brought me several women uh, long about year three. Um that asked me to sponsor them that stayed around and are, and they're still around today. And they don't go to as many meetings as they can because like all women, they had to get married and have babies because that's just what we have to do. Remember (laughs) (laughs) we have to do that. And, uh, but we still get together and we still have our, our group that we, that we, that we're connected to because of that early, that early sobriety. And, uh, and me having three years at the time to somebody brand new seemed like, uh, you know, how could you possibly get three years? And that was just enough time that they could see that they could get there. Um, and uh, and I know my sponsor had 15 years when I asked her to sponsor me, and that's what I needed at the time. But apparently those ladies needed what I had at the time. And um, Yep,
0: definitely. And, um, that,
1: and that worked for us, and we're, we still have some really strong bonds to this day. I, I feel like I got daughters, because I only have one child, and he's a boy, and my steps my steps are all boys yeah right. <laughs> Which, yeah finally got a couple of granddaughters
0: that interesting <laughs> how uh, god works in that regard too huh? uh, yeah
1: yeah i remember i said i had that man he yeah. made sure i had a whole bunch of <laughs> so <laughs> it's like now i know now i know right yeah, now I look know. at how
0: that like opened up this whole like this other package though when with working with these women though that uh-huh. are that you they do think of as like daughters you know maybe if you had your own daughters that maybe wouldn't have been as open if that I'd had my own to daughters, I mean? I'd have drank a lot more. I can yeah, tell you right. that much
1: right now. <laughs> I mean, I can, I mean, understand, uh, I can understand that. <laughs> I can tell you, for me, uh, I'd have been a hard, I'd have been a hard daughter to mother because I just knew everything, right? I smarter than everybody. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I got to uh, understand the angst that I had as a young lady, and uh, because I had those same isms and angst that the young ladies that I sponsored have. At least I can understand them doesn't make it easy to be around mm-hmm. um, well, but someone, I can understand them
0: they do sure t- t- turn a mirror around on you I find that to they be do. true the people I work with mm-hmm. uh, tell me their stuff
1: mm-hmm.
0: and 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 I'm going oh man <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they' they're, they might as well be telling me.
1: But if we are really supposed to be sharing our experience, strength, and hope, then that's what they are. That's what I am for them Mm -hmm. is because they see me as somebody that made it this far, (laughs) and I'm not dead yet. So, uh, you know, I guess that's part of what uh, the attraction is for the young ladies that are still in my life. And, uh, And it's nice. It's nice to have have those people but my journey led me and it always has if if you picked up on any of that I've always been in that phase of wanting to make myself a better person starting way back with Zig Ziglar uh his book was uh see you at the top that I read and and so continuing my journey um I found myself uh going to Al-Anon meeting some with Tom uh and um best me not say any names if I don't want to say the last one right <laughs> so found myself going to meetings uh, air down in with uh, because of the, the the stepson situation that we had and I noticed after a while in my um, in my progress through the steps that a lot of my issues were Al-Anon issues um, I I do like to fix managing and control things to try to make sure that I don't have to worry. It is a it is a fear based, but um I can see myself a lot of times in those in that literature about how I if they would just do what I think they should, then my life would be better right right and it and it doesn't it, it's real easy for me. To, to take any literature of any 12-step program and change the words around to suit what I'm working on. So, you know, we've talked about using the 12 steps for other uh, things, and I love your TSSR work. I hope we continue that because I certainly believe that, uh, that you're going where we're supposed to be going, and I want to go with you. Um, the, the thing for me was that I just didn't want to worry. And I, um, I realized early on uh, in Al-Anon that I could take that word that said the alcoholic in my life and I could change that word to asshole. <laughs> and, uh, and, th- and that worked for me because not everybody is an alcoholic. And I like your TSSA work, the TSSR work, because the you know when you're in Al-Anon, you have to say that that you're qualifier, you're alcoholic, or there's just that, you know, that little thing that irritates me that says well you know you have to have an alcoholic that makes you mad to be in this program or you know what right, i'm saying yeah i do so, no you don't you just have to have an asshole you yeah. know and and then they want you to say well maybe their grandfather was an alcoholic or you know
0: yeah we're gonna track know, them down someplace had, in your lineage
1: in order to make you qualify it's almost yeah, like I it's like you know you guys have got to be you know let you're spending way too much time on this quality why don't we just keep going through the steps that's I love the work you're doing, kiddo. I Thank think you. you're doing the right work. It really feels right. And um,
0: It feels like on the
1: path. I think you're on the path. I think you're on the path. I remember getting into the first the first thing I did, in AA and going through the steps and, and being on that pink cloud for a year and I was saying I don't understand why the church didn't teach me. I was maddering heck at the church for not teaching me this stuff, right? Uh, going through the the literature you find out that the genesis of AA actually came from the Oxford group, which was a a, a Catholicism group and they you know kicked Bob out because he didn't want to believe in God or something so Bill and Bob went off and created their own steps based on the Oxford group I think they added about three or four so some of those steps yeah. have a genesis in some some uh, Christian religion sure um, and if you go back and do the research on that as I as I recall then they got tired of not having any anybody join because they had to be Christian so they went to the second <laughs> so I don't even think they're Christian anymore <laughs> if you go back they're still around by the way oh yeah Uh uh-huh I haven't really studied much but I just I just have that curious mind and I love Google you can find Mm, out anything right right? but um, anyway so the, so the evolution of the program and where you're taking it is very exciting to me because you are doing in my opinion what we're all supposed to be doing.
0: That's what it feels like. Yeah.
1: We're all supposed to be trying to get better and help other people get better. Yep. And, and I am amazed. And I don't understand the connection that we had. I just know that it was there when you walked in the door and I don't know what we're supposed to be doing 10, 15 years from now. I just know we're supposed to keep doing what we're doing right now in some fashion. And, uh, that's the reason I wanted to come on. I wanted to come on because I wanted people to say this kid's doing the right thing. Now Touch you have me. to talk for a while because I'm gonna cry. Yeah,
2: well, you've you, you, you,
0: yeah, you fogged me up too. You know, um, I don't know what happened either in that whole thing with that connection deal. You know, and there's a few of us, and you just felt it. You know, and I don't know how to put that in words or how that happens. And you know <clears throat> what my mind wants to tell me is I'm leaving people out when I when I say that about you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Um, on that TSSR front, you know, I mean, I don't know how that happened either. You know, I landed with a sponsor that had. 30 something years of sobriety and picked me basically when I poured out my guts one day and he walked up and he was telling me about this book he was writing and I could give a shit about the book he was writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to know what my next thing was in the steps. Cause I was getting real tired of wearing this ankle bracelet and mm-hmm. I certainly didn't want to go to jail. And I knew if I drank or doped, I was going to go to jail mm-hmm. and he gave me a copy of the first chapters of that book. And I started reading it and started realizing, cause also while uh, he was taking me through that blue book, mm-hmm. He was telling me to do things that weren't in there, just mm-hmm. like you said, the mm-hmm. 90 and 90 and things like mm-hmm. this, if it wasn't that. But he was having me do like exercise work
2: mm-hmm. on
0: paper and things that wasn't in here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I want to call him out. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I could do that. You know, I mean, I didn't have the guts to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just mm-hmm. doing what he said to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I frankly knew that I had been handed a gift when he came and, and offered to sponsor me too, mm-hmm. And I didn't want to mess that up. Mm-hmm. I really, really did not want to mess
1: that up. Exactly.
0: So, you know, if he told I've said this joke before, if he told me to pick a booger and put it on page 263, mm-hmm. it would be in there the next <laughs> time he saw me. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I just did what he told me to do. But as I started reading these chapters, I started seeing this stuff written down uh-huh. that was a little bit deeper dive into this work.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And and as the time went by, I started realizing, you know, I, I say I don't know what happened in 2015, but the right teacher hit the right student at the right time and mm-hmm. God put us together. And, mm-hmm. and so I know what happened mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that I, that is not lost on me one bit. Uh-huh. I don't know how it happened. You know, Uh I mean, there's still that mystery behind it. But, uh, you know, to then started to get to that opportunity. You know, I read that book a few times. Uh, I was supposed to keep it on the down low Uh because he didn't, you know, other people wanted to read it too. But Uh he was allowing me this little one year, you know, I wasn't even a year sober. I'm not sure. Uh He was letting me read it. Uh And I felt privileged. Oh, yeah. Uh, Because there was a lot of people wanted to read it. And he was telling me, shh. Uh And I started getting the guts up to start writing in it and going this don't sound right that don't sound right and a couple of those kind of things and and went through it a few times and then you know fast forward as it evolved you know i think i read it three times in manila folders and i have right now the last set because the last i would give him a manila folder and he'd give me the next chapter i never had more than like a chapter at a time on me
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the last time through i asked him if i could start keeping it and uh, he was a little taken aback at first mm-hmm. you know like why yeah. Mm-hmm. and I just straight up told him two things, two reasons, because someday I think this is going to be important to have mm-hmm. for history. Mm-hmm. And two, it ain't in book form yet. And I need something to refer to as I'm helping people.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to start using it already? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to
0: have it because my copy that's under my dresser in there has got tabs and stuff in it where I was keeping track, of just like I do in my big book mm-hmm. of where, where things are at in there and, and notes and, mm-hmm. and things like mm-hmm. that. And, uh, and we started up the meetings and and I had that in the back of my head. I didn't know if that was going to work because I did have this thing because I had to be pretty desperate. You know, what I mean, the, the like, you know, but I hear your story, right? And mm-hmm. You really didn't have any consequences laying on you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, you weren't going to prison or you weren't going getting ready to get divorced or you weren't getting ready to lose your kids or, mm-hmm. you know, any of these kind of things that a lot of us come in with. And I was getting ready to go to prison. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if you didn't have that sense of desperation, would you do this work still?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, and I'm finding out. They don't quite do it at the pace that maybe I would like to. And, mm-hmm. like, my, mm-hmm. my my AA sponsees mm-hmm. are in a hurry. Mm-hmm. They, I, they're they the ones, like, you. I had to mm-hmm. woe them. Mm-hmm. I had to prod the TSSR folks a little bit because they mm-hmm. have lives and stuff. It's just not that bad for them, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But I have three current sponsees in there and, uh, and another one that's, uh, that's basically through. Um, he actually come to me through AA, but you know, he's not an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. he got in some trouble with his employer and they sent him to AA and he ran into me, but he's not one. Uh, you yeah, know, but if you get in trouble drinking, that's where you get labeled with. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and I guess I've told it before, but I watched it work in his life the same way. And that was the same thing that happened to me when I first started sponsoring guys in this program is that when I thought I was so special that I knew it would work for me, I didn't really, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But in some mm-hmm. regard, when it did work,
2: mm-hmm. I thought wow. Well,
0: that's just me. Uh, it wasn't that solid of a thing, but I did have some kind of feeling like that, and I certainly didn't think I could give it away. And then I started having some success with taking people through the same work that I was taking through, and mm-hmm. it's not me. I mean, I'm just delivering the messages, delivered mm-hmm. to me. I'm no more than a mailman uh, in that regard. I'm taking it from here and, and carrying it over to there. and watching it happen, and then I started working with these TSSR people, and I'm watching it happen with them too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I have two female sponsees. You know, we say in there, uh, there are, I said, there are no rules and we're going to break them all because, you know, we're not traditionally going to sponsor cross gender things. Mm -hmm. Fact of the matter is we need to right now because the guys who have the tools in their pockets are men Mm -hmm. and there's women coming in the door wanting help. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. So,
0: you know, I'm in a spot today and I talked to my sponsor about it and he Mm -hmm. lets, you know, I have have three elements I'm responsible to. My higher power, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: my sponsor, my close support group. Those mm-hmm. people say I'm checked. I'm, I'm checked in. Mm-hmm. Then, then I can I can I can move forward with some level of trust in in the mm-hmm. universe that I'm on the path. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sponsoring the, the women is something certainly new, mm-hmm. but it, it works too. You know, and it's not you know, and I don't plan to keep having to do that. What my hope is is that we get some gals in the TSSR movement mm-hmm. that have the tools, mm-hmm. and then they can carry that forward. But here for a little bit. Uh, specifically Christopher and I are both uh, have some females that were, were taken through the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was come through you, basically. One of my sponsors came through you, through a gal you know, who's married to this guy. And he bopped in and asked me to start working with him. And another one of the joys in my life. Um, I, I, I don't guess they will matter when we say first names. It won't make any difference. Tim and Charlene. Mm-hmm and uh and tim's a daily caller and i mm-hmm. get away every day because I, I always like in the beginning you say call me and i and i'm guilty of not answering my phone all the time either mm-hmm. can't
1: mm-hmm. no i can't
0: uh but I tell these people talk to me like they, talk to my voicemail mm-hmm. like i answered mm-hmm. give me the lowdown on the day mm-hmm. tell me what happened and i will listen to it i promise you i will get to it and i'll listen to it and if there's something you need and we have some codes, you know. I have one of my sponsor brought to me. If somebody texts me nine nine one one right now, uh-huh. I would have to put this podcast on pause for a minute uh-huh. and go see what this person needs because uh-huh. they, if, if something is up. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, so you get these guys, and they leave you these fifteen second voicemails. Hey, this is Bob. Just checking in. Give me a call when you can. Click. Nope, that don't work. And <laughs> so like now, uh, Tim cannot. Get through on one voicemail. You, do you know what the voicemail limit is time wise? Four minutes. Mm-mm. I do know. <laughs> is, that,
1: is that on the phone? Yeah. That, that was programmed into everybody's phone? I think so. Okay.
0: Uh, I'm not sure it's on everybody's, but I do know these iPhones. And well, my sponsor has an Android, and we both kid around because uh-huh. we watch. I watch that four minute mark hit because we leave each other regularly four minute voicemails also. Okay. Four minute well, voicemails, a long time to listen to. Uh, (laughs) And when they had to, you know, then the second call comes through and I got the rest of the message (laughs) on a second voicemail and I love it. It just tickles me because I watch a guy who was barely able to talk to me and converse with me at some level, didn't trust me enough to do Mm -hmm. that. And didn't trust the world, frankly, enough to do that, to start having the same thing happens when we come into the room, the 12 step, the traditional 12 step rooms. Mm -hmm. They come in, they're uh, blocked up, can't share, don't want to let anybody in, but trust builds. And it begins to become a safe environment for them mm-hmm. and they can see other people sharing and being vulnerable and they're not getting stabbed you know and and they come around and the next thing you know and you watch you, you watch these human beings bloom is what you do it's what i get to do is watch them bloom whether if it's in whatever 12-step group mm-hmm. i happen to be mm-hmm. with my foot in which is primarily alcoholics anonymous and tssr mm-hmm. uh watching that watching that happen and it's just uh I do everything else in my life in order to do this.
1: There's uh, nothing like it, and, and you uh, alluded early on when you were kind of introducing me about the uh, the smile that that we would have on our face. And I got to tell you, because um, I have four little brothers, and um, and and somehow you grouped into that category the first day I met you. And and so when you would not be around for a while, we do worry, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Cause we make a connection for whatever reason, God connects us to the people that He wants you to be connected to, and you wouldn't come around, or I could tell you were really in, really in a, in a dark place uh, when you were there. Cause I could tell you were, I could tell. I
0: right? know what you mean now. Um, I mean, and you know, looking back, I know people knew. You know, I uh, thought I was pulling a wool no. over then. You know, but <laughs> now where I sit, when I look across the room, I know the same thing. You uh, know, been given that sixth sense where you uh you can frankly pick up i can read people's energy today yeah no matter if they're in a room or to grocery store or the library or the ball game uh you usually can take people's temperatures pretty well
1: you can you can if you if you stay in the sunlight of the spirit yourself mm-hmm. and and you have to do the work to do that and sometimes i can let myself to get too busy with other things although um i had a i had a um come to Jesus meeting for lack of better words with myself when it became apparent that I don't need to work anymore but um, I think I'm in a a place where God wants me to be there too Um, I do help a lot of people I lead a lot of people to uh, 12 step recovery Mm -hmm. um, because in the job that I do it becomes pretty apparent when one of my Folks that I work with in the planning process uh, spend more money than they should on their kids.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And so it, it becomes apparent to me that that, that might be the issue. And, uh, and so when I really had to do a lot of soul searching and prayers at, at some point, I, um, I came to the conclusion that I'm supposed to keep the job that, that, that I've got because, because God wants me in that, in that, in that seat. Uh, Cause I was given a a gift of doing what I do, and um, and I have people that that desperately need me to connect them to this program. Um.
0: Well, there's a service aspect to your occupation anywhere Mm -hmm. where you are. When you are working with your people, you're helping them. Mm -hmm. You know, something I found in this recent job change of coming into this self-employed thing is Mm -hmm. a complete different shift where I was like in a cog in the wheel, a corporate American. Mm -hmm. And at some level, you know, I could tell myself I was helped, but we were just making things, man. We Mm -hmm. were in the industry.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Today, I feel a lot more settled because I actually get to go. It it just fits my, it fits Mm -hmm. my uh, my path, my flow, Mm -hmm. where where I'm at Mm -hmm. today. Uh, my trajectory is, is to help people. Help people. And, uh, and even though, you know, yeah, you know, I put a little money in my pocket, Mm -hmm. helping people. Uh, nobody says that's a bad thing at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would think that for, I had a little of that in in my head. If you, you weren't really helping, if you were making money doing it.
1: Uh, I, I did have that, that guilt thing about making money. Yeah. Um, you know it's weird
0: money's got some weird flavor to it if you allow it
1: it does my mother is a very uh, spiritual person and she would say she was you know just being catholic but she's not just catholic my mother's got whatever it is this gift is that we aspire to have she's always had that my friends always said i swear your mom's got a halo around her and, and uh and and most of most people that meet her kind of kind of know that to be true but um she she set me straight on that. She said, "Becky, you can't help anybody if you don't have money." She said, "Maybe God, maybe God's giving it to you so he so you know who to give it to." So, uh, she helped me with that and I, and I'm very blessed so I get to I get to help when when I feel the need is there, I get to help and that that makes me happy too, but um
0: uh, well, it's got the double aspect to it, you know what I mean? On a daily basis, even when those people don't need our brand to help, you're still helping them. You're I mean, still you helping. are helping them. They are better off after meeting you than they were before. But and, uh, I have to tell you something then, else
1: that, that'll resonate with you because of the work you're doing. Because I remember early on in, in uh, working, maybe the first year or so, uh, working with my sponsor, and we got in an argument about something. And she said, your primary purpose is to stay sober and help another alcoholic. I said, excuse me, my primary purpose is to stay sober and help and serve God.
2: Hmm.
1: I remember that very distinctly, that that my primary purpose is not just to help another alcoholic, it's to help whoever he puts in front of me today. yeah And I've always believed that and uh, and so uh, I'm one of those you know rule followers, but uh, I certainly still have my own opinions uh, about uh, where our, you're going and what I think you're doing is the right thing to do.
0: <laughs> yeah it says in that book there there's, it actually says uh, to be a maximum service to God and our fellows, mm-hmm.
1: right yeah and and, it doesn't
0: say uh, alcoholics in that particular mm -hmm. spot Mm -hmm. and i've changed that i just say you know i'm i I do have a primary purpose and it is to stay sober Mm -hmm. but it's to help anybody recover from whatever god wants me to help them with Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm finding this thing's working for people who just really don't have it you know, it's weird. Some people's got some real, uh, and I like getting to that because I like getting wrapping some powerless and some step one around something. I like, what is the thing that's eating you?
2: Because mm-hmm.
0: that's, you know, we know what's eating alcoholic at first. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, we know that's really just a symptom of it. We're going to mm-hmm. get down deeper later. But in this TSSR, you got to get something to like something tangible, mm-hmm. you know, whether if it's, you know, and even, you know, if it's overspending, if it's rage, if it's um, self-confidence, if mm-hmm. it's, you know different kind of things and, and i let them build it you know it's not for me to i say hey what is it you know what it is sit I down and it. think about it you know what's what's bothering you I love you it. will sit on the foot of your bed for a little bit and think about the things that you know you're doing you shouldn't mm-hmm. be doing or the things you know you should be doing that you're not mm-hmm. uh, those things will come to you if you sit there and give it some thought god will give you the answers to that
1: they they do he does um you're in your uh, your friend that you introduced me to when we were trying to do the yoga thing and uh, um, you know, when she introduced me to that concept of no recreational sugar, yeah. you know, I thought, yeah, 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 that'll work for me. So, uh, so far, I've made it eight and a half months at one wow. point. Yeah. At one point, and now I'm, you know, I got re addicted to sugar, and that, that's, a, that's an interesting thing for me, too, because i just love candy. Yeah, and it's uh, an
0: interesting <laughs> thing, too, when you talk about throwing that same thing into these different, you know, I've been pondering that lately about uh-huh. what is like, you know, in do TSSR, do, do certain people maybe want to, like, choose an abstinence? And know what it is when they break it. That's something that Renee had taught me, and that was the thing, you know, from from the OA side of things, of what is your abstinence, what is your red light, and she used green light, red light, yellow, mm-hmm. or red light, uh-huh. green light, yellow light, red light, and what is the yellow light items, uh-huh. and you know, and so, man, and this gets really sticky because I go, it does, you know, because uh, I can't drink or drug, uh-huh. and I know that I can't. Uh-huh. Uh, but that doesn't mean your abstinence has to be a red light, straight up item. Right. You know what I mean? We that don't it, have to do, you know, just because I'm doing that with mine and the book says, well, no, we found no other mm-hmm. way to do it except for with 100% mm-hmm. abstinence. Mm-hmm. And and that's pretty much proven for people like me and you in right. that regard. Uh-huh. But but there's some latitude when we're talking about what your the way these spiritual malady is manifesting in you mm-hmm. that, you know, cause the other thing I don't want my people to do is go to, you know, having a cupcake and now we're going to beat ourselves up. We've been doing that long enough.
1: That's why I wanted to come on. I wanted to come on cause I, I, I realized there's a lot of work that needs to be done in this area. And it's, uh, you know, one day at a time without, without recreational sugar works for me, but I, I don't want to beat myself up when I decided I'm going to eat that cupcake. And that's why I wanted to be here today. I wanted us to talk about these other things. Yeah. You know. It excites
0: you, me. Guess what?
1: It excites me, too, because we, you know, we, ha- you've had plenty of really good speakers about the AA program. And we all know that for our walk, it's a very important part of our walk. Um, but moving it to the next level of how, you know, obviously somebody that is severely diabetic has a much bigger issue with mm-hmm. eating that cupcake than mm-hmm. I do. Right. Right. And, uh, um. You know, I tell myself at age 64 that it's okay to have that cupcake, and I'm never going to look like I was when I was 35 again anyway, so what the hell, right? And uh, they make stretchy clothes for people like me, so why do I (laughs) worry about the cupcake? But I do know there is a health issue, and I do want to be around for my grandkids when they graduate from college, and, you know, that kind of thing is there. But, you know, you have to worry about what message you send when somebody has to come back and get a new white chip for their ism. And um, and so maybe maybe just saying okay well do you do you want to do an, a different one this time you know Mike try a different one this time how about giving up cussing that'd be a hard one for me yeah right? me like, too uh, uh, you know there's all kinds of things we could play around with to uh, to make it fun and keep people from from falling in that depths of I just can't do it or I'm not good enough or yeah. um uh, because that is that is what we do we we will
0: beat ourselves up we will beat ourselves up Mm -hmm. I mean there's just no value in that zero Mm -mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. it just doesn't you know I mean you you talk about you want to go worst case kind of stuff I mean there's guys there's folks who relapse that don't come back to AA because they cannot come back and get that white chip Mm -hmm. so they stay out Mm -hmm. because that's too much Mm mm-hmm and I don't know the answer to that at all. You know, I'm not going to propose that that's be done away with that. Don't read me wrong out there, audience, that I'm thinking anything like that. But, but I do see the reality of it. And, and you know, at TSSR, and I, you know, I don't know how this stuff happens. I really don't. You know, these little, however, I started making them little number
2: ones. Mm-hmm. And,
0: you know, this one is for somebody whose sobriety date is the 14th of uh-huh. this month. Uh-huh. And it'll be their number, their one year uh-huh. sobriety date. And also a TSSR member. Uh-huh. uh And I started, you know, we didn't have TSSR chips. Yeah. And I started cutting these little pieces of wood and carving in them, you know, and we don't give them away for how long you've been sober. And But, you know, once in a while somebody comes in a meeting and they say six months and this person has been six months sober and they get up and they get one of them chips. And I really don't care why they take one of them ch- yeah. chips. Take one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to celebrate my some people do it today. just because they've been hanging around
0: for that long. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I did uh, say, um, I'm in mean that, um, on the Facebook page for the Friends of Bill and Bob and mm-hmm. and, uh, and the uh, the other one for the Al-Anon folks. And I did hear somebody say, I wonder why we in Al-Anon don't get chips, right? You Because know? they don't get to celebrate success, and I did notice that because I'd still go to Al-Anon sometimes, and I even have an Al-Anon sponsor too, right? Um, and, and she was very valuable to me when I had my house fire in 2016. And, yeah. Um, I thought, I'm going to go through it out on steps during this house fire so I can stay sane. And she was really good for me. And she's a really good friend of mine today, too. So uh, I love all the programs. I even uh, participated some in that, sp- uh, what do they call that at church? Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I think they might, um, they, they have that, as, as I recall their their whole concern is not having people beat themselves up for for their transgressions uh when they happen um and so that's that's the good part of that program is that they're and and you know there's no any particular uh ism that you no. have to have um but they don't they don't really uh it just didn't work for me it it um I don't, first of all, nobody would ever say Becky's a church lady. And uh, <laughs> so I just didn't feel like that was where God, I tried it because I was wondering where God was leading me next, right? Yep, I right. really wanted to know where God was leading me and, and because I felt like there was something missing. And uh, so I tried that, th- wondering if that's what I was supposed to be doing because sure. I was invited by the church to uh, love to that. help out with that program. But it just didn't, it just wasn't, wasn't what I, what I wanted or what I felt, I didn't feel like I was being effective there. You know how that is. Yeah. So, uh, but I think what you're doing is important. And, I, and I, I've been to that one meeting that, that, that you had over there. And, and quite frankly, I would love to go more regularly. But um, the, the meeting times don't work in my schedule. And also yep. that location is kind of scary for me well, to go back, to so by moved. myself. We're oh, right, you so did move out, from we're, that we're unity are, church?
0: Uh, yep, yep, we are. We're out on uh, Dutchman Lane area. In the in the uh, we're at the Brook Hospital now. We're actually meeting at the Brook Hospital, the you know oh, on Brown's Lane. Lane. You know, it's a Dutchmans and Brown, same time, seven thirty on Thursday nights. Oh, uh, really, you know what I mean? The you know where yeah. the Brook is? It used to be Tim Brook, and used to be all that, but we're yeah, using their facilities. Yeah. I want to make clear that it's not affiliated with that. It's just mm, like a, a and yeah, everything else. We're just using their. They've opened their facilities to us, and because they want to uh somewhat promote this to this 12 step program, you know, because well, somebody posted something today on, and I didn't really, I didn't have a chance to look at it. I was kind of busy about the effectiveness of Alcoholics Anonymous in some New York Times magazine uh-huh. and i think it's new because the guy who posted it wouldn't uh-huh. be putting you know sometimes you see something it'll uh-huh. be a 2011 article or something uh-huh. you know right, right, <laughs> yeah. right, right and uh and of course you can also find all you want to on why it won't work or why it doesn't work uh-huh. or the fallacy around uh-huh. it or whatever but this will look to be and i'm going to go back and take a look at it on these 12-step things and you know I, I I know i beat this up like crazy but i can take this 12-step book here this AA book in my hand and uh-huh. what it feels like at some level is that in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, since I've been coming in, we've been going, everybody needs this. I wish my aunt had it. Mm-hmm. I wish everybody was working a program. Mm-hmm. And then we stick the book behind her back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what What is anybody doing? Yeah, everybody. Yeah, we all agree that mm-hmm. these everybody tools are valuable it. for anybody who will want to employ them in their lives. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like anything else. If you want Celebrate Recovery to work for you, mm-hmm. I think it will. Mm -hmm. And we're fortunate to have a lot of different things. You know, i watch people Mm -hmm. come into the yoga teacher training Mm -hmm. with the same kind of thing. And I realized that that whole yogic lifestyle was more than just what I was doing on a mat. Mm -hmm. There's actually a philosophy and operating system Mm -hmm. on how to work your life inside of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. That is somewhat parallel to what we do, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and not it's got little sidesteps and alleys and different things. And the one thing I don't see anywhere else are these concrete tools like four and five. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, eight, nine, you know, these things where we actually are doing, con- mm-hmm. you know, I don't see that in a lot of other places where it's like, sit down, do this. That mm-hmm. good, orderly direction part of God. I don't see that any place except for in 12 steps, even churches and things right. like that. Right. Uh, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm saying I don't see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and profess to be uh, the authority on that. Another thing you said a minute ago, and it caught me. Uh, Dang it left me. It got away.
1: <laughs> Don't you just hate that.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like when we prayed for it at the beginning of this you know, some people will end this podcast and they'll go, Oh, I forgot to say. Yeah. I said, Don't you remember we said a prayer at the beginning of this podcast for God to help us say what we're gonna say and if it didn't make it there's a reason it didn't there's make a reason.
1: it. That's exactly why we said that prayer. We wanna be sure what we said is what we're supposed to say for somebody to learn something and uh, maybe i said something i shouldn't have said but i was supposed to say it right, right. <laughs> so
0: you yeah, will uh, oh, i know one of the other things i was saying. you talk about them smiles and that you know that was the other thing that really hits me because i can still picture the very first day meeting i know exactly i could go stand in the spot today my mm-hmm. chair was at mm-hmm. and i could pretty i could at some level mm-hmm. i can tell you where the chairperson's table was sitting mm-hmm. in the direction because it's moved all over that room mm-hmm. right over the years mm-hmm. um and uh I can tell, I can even point, I could probably point to where a number of people who have been influential in my recovery and over these years were sitting in that room and mm-hmm. I can do the same thing for the first time I walked into a spiritual underground meeting too. Mm-hmm. I can still remember it was that impactful on me that mm-hmm. I can remember where certain people were in spatial relation to where I was sitting mm-hmm. and I could take you right back to the spot where I was sitting that day. But the one other thing that caught me was your smile, Joe, mm-hmm. you know, this, him kidding around with me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't real happy about being, you mm-hmm. know, cause I was See. like feeling like it was being, it felt that's the other thing, and I've heard this, stole this from a speaker. When I first came, it felt like punishment.
2: Mm.
0: It, when I first came to AA, it felt like I was, you know, this was like a punishment. This was like a gauntlet kind of thing. You know, I was going to shame myself and walk in here, you know. But, and, uh, you know, that's the opposite of what it is. And when I sat down and I saw all these smiling faces and these people that looked like normal people mm-hmm. uh, and sharing, you know, because that night, that night was magic. For me, Mm -hmm. I walked in, had no idea what I'm doing, nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking for the application. I really mean it. When I called Joe to ask if I should be a little early, man, I thought maybe there'd be some paperwork I had to fill out <laughs> or something. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like, you know, the doctor's office, first time you go to the do- new doctor, you know, they want you there 20 minutes or so early so you can fill out the paperwork. And, uh, and Joe said, nah, man, just show up. And I got there and he kidded me, you know, um, when I got there. Oh, Robert. you know, you know how Joe, he, he's just he's a, a wonderful fun man. loving dude, you know, and meant no harm. But I wasn't real happy about it because I'm like, I'm not too fond of coming in here and getting teased uh-huh. uh uh-huh. and did uh, that that deal where they said is anybody uh they said this is anybody's first aa meeting mm-hmm. and and I, I, okay just like you at some level you know i was this real breaker in one mm-hmm. Jekyll and Hyde thing but also this real follower mm-hmm. on the other hand you know so when he says is anybody here for the first time i put my hand up <clears throat> and what i know today that pause after that is meant for in case somebody else is a little slow to raise their hand you know we just give that little pause and give some people a minute if uh-huh. they feel like it that did air bother me and i need, and i and i and i shared a little bit and uh and told you all that i was three days sober and you know and i did the best i could to say what why i was sitting here after never hearing anybody share an a meeting ever you know so i wasn't modeling you know <laughs> uh-huh. i didn't come and hear what people were saying and going uh-huh. okay i kind of get what you say uh-huh. and the meeting turned around and, and this whole group of people turned around and dumped their experience strength and hope uh-huh. on me and i don't think there was a share that happened that night was not in offering of that uh-huh. And, uh, and, and man, it just jacked my soul up. You know, I walked out of there with my, uh, you know, 25 pounds lighter that night. Well, I didn't stick. A bag of hope. I did. I walked out of it with a big bucket of hope and a whole bunch of phone numbers. Mm-hmm. And they said, mm-hmm. call them, call them, call them. And, uh, i walked out of there and i went to another meeting the next night that didn't have near the amount of uh <laughs> juice as mm-hmm. i would say today mm-hmm. didn't have near the amount of juice in it matter of fact it's a it was a guy i see around and it was a speaker meeting and, and it probably wasn't his fault uh, i, I kind of kid about it but uh i think on that second night my after my second AA meeting mm-hmm. i don't think i've ever had another piece in my life where i wanted to drink so bad
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> i walked out of the speaker meeting and i sat down in my car and i remember actually physically trembling mm-hmm. scared mm-hmm. and uh and i had them pamphlets sitting there next to me in the front seat of the car still that were given to me the night before you know i grabbed him up and left when i went took them with me mm-hmm. and uh and and i remember jerry and i don't know why that one hit me he seemed safe to mm-hmm. me he felt mm-hmm. safe mm-hmm. um some of the other people you know i mm-hmm. wasn't quite sure about mm-hmm. uh, whether if i was that other thing we say where you know i'm um, I'm simultaneously superior to you and less than you at the same time.
1: Oh, I've not heard that. <laughs> yeah, I've <I'm sorry. laughs> not heard uh, that. Just said that yeah. egomaniac with an inferiority yep, complex. Yep, the same thing, time. same concept. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh,
0: and uh, so I called him and 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 Jerry and Happy and Mike and Big Rick. were all sitting up at the McDonald's up in Georgetown, and I was downtown New Albany the Carriage House, parked uh-huh. outside of there. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh it's nine a little after nine or whatever oh yeah
1: it's the thursday night meeting yeah. they had all been to that thursday night in edmontville right yep 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 Yep.
0: and uh they said come on up and i thought that's a long way to drive
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there off the exit right <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> but i did i drove up there man those uh-huh. guys sit around at a table with me until like two o'clock in the morning that night I'm like, Dang, these guys stay up Great late. And they kept again. on doing it too, you know. And night Great after night after again. night, we're staying up. But you know, after I got some, you know, and I did pretty decent. I got some traction out of the gates, and and mm-hmm. and, and and did pretty well for a while. But it, like after I started getting a little bit better, I realized those guys' bedtime started getting earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and what I know today is they were sitting up there with for me mm-hmm. to help this new kid mm-hmm. guy. You know, I felt like a kid. I was forty. Mm. Something years old mm-hmm. But I felt like I was 12 mm-hmm. And as far as this In this program mm-hmm. I certainly was a kid mm-hmm. And uh, and today I know What those guys were doing They were sitting up there Helping this new kid they were the old Stay timbers. sober tonight
1: I can tell you Happy was really Really instrumental In my early sobriety Because everything That came out of his mouth I really I really uh, Grasped Understood Felt uh, Believed um, and it was a long time before I realized The guy that in that Saturday morning meeting That always said stuff that I really felt And believed and felt like he had a lot of wisdom I didn't know that was his dad ah. um, Until after he passed
0: Yeah I never knew his dad I um, didn't have One chance
1: man. And always said something that was very powerful And uh, that's my favorite meeting Of all time Anywhere in the country that I've ever been That Saturday morning meeting They call it the Hoosier Hilltoppers Yeah my absolute favorite I meeting. there's a lot of long-term sobriety in that meeting right and um, and they they lean more towards you know healthy conversation and, and and making people it just feels like they want everybody to to become better people as uh, and uh, I it's got some new, discussion is, it's closed it's closed discussion and, and it seems like there's a lot of real long-term sobriety in that meeting mm-hmm. um, and so that is my favorite all-time ever any meeting, anywhere I ever go, and I, I have found a, a Saturday morning home group up in uh, Plymouth, Michigan. When I'm uh, up in that part of the country, has a lot of good. Lo- they do it different up there. Do they? They uh, they do different tables. Um, the big one. It's a great big meeting, a lot of people in there. But they, they have the readings draw. You know, community readings, and they give out the tokens. And and then when you go into the discussion, each table has its own discussion. Or
0: oh, like a small groups, almost and, busting uh, up.
1: So the benefit of that for me is going there as long as I've been going, because I've been going there by as long as I've been sober. Um, I know now who has that, you know, what the, the wisdom and the sobriety that I need to hear, and I know who they are, and they'll be sitting at different tables. So I can walk in the door and I can say, okay, I think I need to sit at this person's table this week. And um, and always, I mean, and then and, and I like that too, because everybody has to say something. And they could pass if they want to, but they kind of go around the table and, and, and invite everybody to say Ooh, something. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and that's, uh, that's, I think that's good because when you're in some of these open discussion meetings where you wait till somebody raises their hand, sometimes you get the same people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I've noticed in a round robin, they've, they've done it a couple times in the Al-Anon meeting that I liked, and, and somebody did it recently at a meeting I normally go to that they don't u- usually do that in. but where it wasn't necessarily the person asking to speak it was their turn and um uh, and what i've noticed is there's people that come to some of these meetings that that might be somewhat introverted mm-hmm. but they open their mouth and talk because it's their turn not because they raise their hand and they say some really good stuff yeah and um uh, and, and so that's why i like going to that meeting up there cause there's, you sit at the table there's people you don't know and they'll say stuff that you need to hear yeah Um, because they 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 have they don't have to but you know i get it yeah you can always pass
0: you can always pass but most people want to share you know even Mm -hmm. these introverts and stuff man Mm -hmm. they're they're not sitting that this whole you know that old that johan harry said Mm -hmm. says some of that addiction opposite addiction is connection you know Mm -hmm. uh a whole big piece of this is this connection we're Mm -hmm. building with one another i mean Mm -hmm. that is a you know the steps I don't doubt the magic of them, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, like you said, and I was going to, that's something else that I could was bell ring, but you mm-hmm. were kind of and I don't want to necessarily mm-hmm. be gonna, is that you did that by yourself. And, and I would almost say that it can't be done by itself, mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. that 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 is divinely inspired where it requires a teacher, student, mm-hmm. mentor, apprentice mm-hmm. thing to mm-hmm. guide you through that work. And that forces you and I to have a connection mm-hmm at least at some level mm-hmm. so that we can do that thing together
1: so we can do it together that's the that's the whole that's the juice yeah it is um
0: and that's what i do with everybody that i work with today because it was modeled for me by my sponsor mm-hmm. and i tell them out of the gate too hey, look and it's part of the i i have people you know i do an informal pact with them mm-hmm. i'm gonna put a lot of energy into helping you do this mm-hmm. man mm-hmm. and i mean it and it is in my heart and do not doubt for a minute that I, that this is not you know if you ever get the feeling that this is not important to me mm-hmm. uh, erase it because it's not it mm-hmm. is important to me there's nothing more important to me than to give this 12-step message to the people that God puts in front of me and mm-hmm. you are sitting there
2: yeah and I have
0: them but I say hey the flip side of this is is that you got to stay with me mm-hmm because I don't want to lose you on eight
2: mm-hmm.
0: or six or mm-hmm. five. do a four step. And I, ain't more, I, I still I do believe that, that I think there's very few things that is worse than doing a four step and not doing five. Mm-hmm. I tell people, don't do four. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to stay with me, don't do that, because that's mm-hmm. picking all them wounds mm-hmm. and not getting the not, resolution not getting of it relief. on the end. Yeah. So that's, that's part putting, of my yeah. third step decision is, look, when you do four, you got to stick with me and do the rest of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, and what I'm looking for, Mm-hmm. Cause I'm looking for another soldier on my team.
1: I heard you mention that.
0: I want another partner in this life thing, mm-hmm.
1: and that's mm-hmm. what I'm
0: doing. That is why I'm spending the energy to to build a new relationship with a new person, so that we can march down this thing called life together.
1: Yeah, cause that's that's the that's the that's the. What do they call it? Who who says it in the program? I and mean, that's the jelly jelly, jelly and the donut or something somebody like says that. that. And that's the jelly roll. That yeah. was those old timers on Saturday morning. I don't even think he's around anymore. But I think that was somebody there just saying that's the jelly roll.
0: So what? Well, back to that thing is is that encouraging these people who don't normally want to speak to speak does mm-hmm. some you know again. And I don't like want to overanalyze, but I do tend to find I like looking like mm-hmm. and go. You know, there's an element right there about why this works. And mm-hmm. I also listen to people like Jordan Peterson who will talk some things mm-hmm. and plug that in. But, you know, getting this person to engage in mm-hmm. this meeting is good for them. The mm-hmm. other little dynamic that happens is when they share, mm-hmm. then they open themselves up for mm-hmm. other people to be able to come and approach them. Because mm-hmm. the quiet guy in the back, nobody really wants to go talk to.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Right, and then they still feel isolated. Right,
0: so then it's a vicious cycle that direction. Mm -hmm. And if you can get that person to share, like in what you're talking about, in those little groups, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I am not a fan of the stick the cotton in your, you know, take the cotton out of your ears and stick it in your mouth stuff, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I think people ought to come in meetings and talk and Mm -hmm. share Mm -hmm. and and open up and let's get this thing out. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. Mankind, this Mankind Project thing I've been doing, talks about when we do the work in that, we actually do some like – some ritual kind of stuff like smudge in and we do some stuff to build this safe and tight container mm-hmm. so that everybody in the group feels safe to be vulnerable or to mm-hmm. share the things they need to share. And that's another kind of concept we're trying to bring into the TSSR world specifically. And it's something that's been modeled in my AA home group is that this is a safe place. Share anything you need to share mm-hmm. on tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't care what it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Cause you know, when you're down the road, like your deal, you know, or both of us. Alcohol is not really my problem anymore. Mm -hmm. My thinking and my living and Mm -hmm. and that is what's Mm -hmm. what I need to share on. So if I limit everything I share to the topic is is concerned with alcoholism, I get the point with the statement. But Uh, it doesn't mean that everything I share about has to be revolved around drinking. I got life issues today that I need to talk about.
1: I think everything I need to share about is fear because that is the crux of my problem. Yeah and i can i can i can share my experience um i think age has a lot to do with it um you live enough life that you know you do find that god did did bail you out and um we met my little brother i got two little brothers in program both of them are gonna be sober 10 years this year wow very cool um tony's this month and pat's in may but um we, um, Tony is notorious for saying he would be all right. You'll be all right. And I shared this in a meeting that day. Your brother was in there. And I said, you know, I was worried about, you know, trying to find another home group because my home group's not the same as it used to be. And I'm still coming to Saturday morning. And I'm all worried about what I'm going to do about the home group. And I'm real busy. And I got to find one that works in my program. And I get in my car. And the Spiritual Underground podcast starts blaring out of my radio. I didn't even turn it on. If that's not a God thing, I don't know what is. And I thought, well, heck, here's my meeting right here in the car, going back and forth to work. And then you reach out to me on Sunday and say, you want to come over and talk? And if I'm saying, if that's not a God thing, I don't know what is, right? That was the most bizarre spiritual experience I ever had. He said, here's your meeting right here in your car. Listen to the podcast while you're going to and from work. That's an hour a day. Yeah. Driving to and from work. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I get to go to a meeting every day when I go to work and then on Saturdays. Well, so that works that just, for yeah. me. And I just I'm just amazed. And so I can look back now on my sixty four years and I can look at every place in my life where God has been there. And and so when Tony says it's gonna be all right. I believe that today.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But when the other people in my life would say it's going to be all right, in the past, I'd have to say, well, now, I need to know how that's going to be, right? Because if you're married to somebody and you're worried about your bills getting paid and that somebody doesn't have a job and all they say is it's going to be all right, (laughs) Uh, that didn't work for me, right? I mean, I have to have a plan. And so I realize now that I can formulate my options. What are all my options? And and uh, the man that I'm involved with is the one that taught me this by watching him raise his sons. Hmm. And so he would say, okay, what are your options? That's all he would ever say is what are your options? He wouldn't say, here's what you should do. He'd say, what are your options? Listen to him, talking to him on the phone. What are your options? So now I know when I am working on a, uh, a situation that, that I need to do something about, I can, I can figure out what my options are, and then I can pray for guidance to mm-hmm. choose the right option. And I now trust that no matter what option I choose, it was the one I was supposed to choose, because if it doesn't work out very well, I'm supposed to learn something from that, yeah, and I now know that today, so my fear level is greatly reduced because I know God's got that, yeah, and i didn't I didn't know that before, and as i as I grew in my alcoholic behavior, it was because my fear continued to increase um in uh, one of those positive thinking guys used to say opportunity knocked and I didn't hear it because I had TV on. Hmm. And I'd say opportunity or the answers, I would pray and ask God for the answers Then I'd get drunk and I wouldn't hear them. Hmm. That's what I would do. I didn't realize that meditation, which is step 11 for us, um, was the key for me to meditate. Listen. During the meditation, the options are revealed. Then during further meditation the choice of the option gets revealed. Yeah. And then after the results of the option, the lesson got revealed. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just do the same, you know, same thing. <laughs> you know, you rent and repeat or whatever, <laughs> you know, you just do every time. Now, you know, you can do that. And it is such a, uh, uh, an exciting message to share that if you just trust your higher power and, do the work, and not forget how to do the work. Mm-hmm. And the only way not to forget how to do the work is continue to go to 12-step meetings, yep. right? That that's, that's how you not forget yep. or how you get reminded or you have people to give you a little bit different way to look at an option because we're all in this together. I had one young lady that God put in my life early on. I was probably in my late 20s at the time I met this person she's a year or two younger than me, and she said, I firmly believe that we go through life with one hand reaching up one hand reaching down. She said two things that were really important to me. So you got to go through, you know, life, one's reaching up, so you got to reach to the people that you have to learn from, and you got to reach down and pull the people along and have to learn from you when we go through life like this. And um, she, also, she was also studying Buddhism at the time, and she said, um, now, they believe that we keep coming back till we get it right. Right. So she said, so you take the man that you're married to. That was that good guy that I I talked to you about. Very, very level, even keel emotionally. Um, Stoic, probably because of his family background. But anyway, he seemed level-headed and even keeled. And she said, you take this man you're married to. He's been here a few more times than we have. She said, I can tell you've been here a time or two more than I have. But you know our friend Sharon, she ain't never been here before, <laughs> <laughs> and so that that resonated with yeah. me because there are people that seem to have more enlightenment that I've met in my travels yeah. than others.
0: Yeah, I uh, I subscribe to a certain amount of that. You know, mm-hmm. I, again, I would not ever be- begin to say that I would know, but I believe there's something to do with these old souls and new souls mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. that that sort of thing because some people just seem to. Uh, like get it a little more than others and mm-hmm. and you see some you know and that that just can't seem to you know needs another trip through
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting yeah it Lots is a very interesting
0: it. yep it really is an interesting uh, uh thing to think about
1: i can think too much if i let myself yeah do so too yeah i, too. Yeah. I can careful. slow
0: down and ask you know i think uh until I begin to cause damage or I begin to smoke my ears or begin to you know uh, proper use of the wheel kind of stuff uh I'll give us give it a brain to think with you know uh, I
1: think uh, I think that that is true for for folks like you and I but we we had a little bit of discussion about it before we started this thing about um, you know getting cross the line maybe doing something we shouldn't do and 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 right now the words we choose sometimes <laughs> are not words we think should be taken. Uh, in the wrong way, but they get taken Sometimes, that way. And, yeah. uh, and well, this
0: uh, is at the uh, moment in this world right now. People would seem to be looking for you to say the wrong thing.
1: Mm-hmm. hmm uh, And uh, and using that against right, you. Right. Yeah. Oh, and, there he said it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Ring, ring. HR. That's what my young assistant says. Oh, you know? uh, yeah. Uh, they ring, think ring, I'm an HR, HR risk because I'm 64 and I'm liable. to Say something you can't say anymore, right? Yeah. And uh, and I don't know you can't say. What do you mean you can't say that anymore? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> when did that change? You know. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's uh any time you open your mouth you're subject to having somebody criticize what you say Yeah, I've got a lot of that, you know, <laughs> I've,
0: uh uh no sense in really being you saying something you know and that is you watch these evolutions of these meetings and these pods and you know and i've heard about what's happened with the with the group that you and i met at Mm -hmm. and you know and when i even got there in the beginning it wasn't Mm -hmm. what it was and it really got up to being something but it always had like this foundational chunk of it you Mm -hmm. know and and i haven't you know the tssr started being the night changed Mm -hmm. on from wednesday night to thursday night and things change Mm -hmm. i've seen that be really detrimental to a lot of meetings in Mm -hmm. the last Mm -hmm. few years of changing either heck even change rooms and stuff seems to mm-hmm. stir the mm-hmm. spiritual energy up and and mm-hmm. change some things and in uh, my home group is changing there's some guys that have decided they're not finding what they want mm-hmm. with us mm-hmm. and uh have went off to and it's a point of contention kind of thing you know and it couldn't you know there's some goofy energy wrapped up around it And and last night was the first time you know so you know they out of all the nights of the week, they decided to have their own meeting. They had it on the same time as, and the same night, same time as ours, mm-hmm. as the other one. You mm-hmm. know What that did was cause a lot of people a lot of strife on which way to go, especially mm-hmm. these people who were being sponsored by some of those guys want to stay here and want to go there, and mm-hmm. they're not there being left with a, uh, having to make a decision on where to go.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: it's gotten me to being real careful about what I say because I'm afraid I'm going to say something wrong. And that has never been something I've been worried about since I've been here. Mm -hmm. I have always felt safe in AA to speak freely. Mm -hmm. You know, there was some, there's a little bit of scuttlebutt about the drug stuff, you know, about Mm -hmm. the singleness of purpose, but I never really experienced that personally. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've watched some, I've heard it Mm -hmm. and I've seen some isolated incidents of, Mm -hmm. of, Mm -hmm. uh, of, Take them aside, and or somebody will share something. You know, you mm-hmm. talk about drugs in my meeting, and I'll tell you to go down the hallway.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I'm like mm-hmm. well, that guy just did, and I didn't see you talk to him. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh and I've always just felt one hundred percent safe sharing anything, I needed to share in mm-hmm. AA, that's where I, the that's the thought I lost. Mm-hmm. The thing about being hard to come back to AA mm-hmm. and thinking that you are going to be. Uh, Beat up, mm-hmm. coming back after a relapse, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the cupcakes and the not mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. that you know. And nobody ever beat me up. Mm-hmm. I never mm-hmm. received anything. I might have got a little tough love once in a while coming mm-hmm. back. About mm-hmm. how long are you gonna play with this? uh Big Rick said to me one day. He said, "Sit me down," and he said, "Look, I'm gonna just share something with you." And I don't know why I feel compelled to share it, but he said, "Yeah." I Don't know why I think this, but you're gonna end up you're gonna either be end up dead or in jail before you get this thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I had no idea how close he was to calling that right that that day. was before it happened that was before that was when I was still toying,
2: yeah and it was like
0: and and happy telling me he's the guy you know he's and and I have my recollection as he pointed his finger in my face. Mm-hmm. Uh, he probably didn't really he was probably more casual in mm-hmm. that but mm-hmm. you know how sensitive us alcoholics can yeah be yeah those, yeah, you know? yeah yeah especially and
2: he when said and he said
0: and i remember and he was just kind of tired of hearing my little batting around about why i couldn't do this or do that you know mm-hmm. and and he said you know well, thing is Dan, here you you must participate in your own recovery mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> 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 now i say that all mm-hmm. the time, thank mm-hmm. you for allowing me to participate in my recovery. Those guys yeah. helped me back mm-hmm. then, you know and it might hurt my feelings a little bit. Yeah. Good guys. Uh, yeah, really good, good guys, guys. Yeah, yeah but so but, but that that being shunned coming back is in our is, is that's just on a, that's on each mm-hmm. individual person because mm-hmm. I don't think that's I mean yeah mm-hmm. with this whole big giant pool of humans we got floating around mm-hmm. there's a lot of different things going on mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. majority of it, it's that negative bias. Mm-hmm. the t- the one person that said something to me that hurt my feelings mm-hmm. outweighs the 30 who were smiling when I walked in the room.
1: Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Because that's what we focus on is yeah. the negative. Yep. That is what we focus on. Yeah.
0: The truth is AA has always welcomed me back with mm-hmm. the majority of smiles and mm-hmm. glad to see you. And even when I'm trying to feed you my bullshit about why I wasn't been around for a while, mm-hmm. you just smiled and loved on me anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> just glad to see you. Yeah.
1: I mean, because that's the truth. Just glad to see you. And that's the same. I feel that same way about all these young people that I see come in and I, and I get a little bit of connection with. And then I don't see them again. Yeah. It's like oh, I thought I was going to have a new friend, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, a new kindred spirit, so to speak. Like you were talking about, you know, that group that you wanted to have with you going through this life together. When you meet somebody that just resonates with you from the beginning and they don't come back. Yep. There was a really uh, uh, just a delightful young lady when I first walked in, That one of the five people, a uh, guy named Steve that I'm still friends with today, uh, Shag, who's dead now, and uh, Harlan, who's dead now, Big Jim and a young lady, and I can't remember her name. Beautiful young lady with curly red hair, just, you know, Get, just just delightful because she had been sober for a while and she was she had told where she had been sleeping on somebody's couch and she was trying to get her kids back and you know I watched her go through I don't know how long sober she was when I first walked into the rooms but I watched her go through and get that first year token and then get her kids back and then she quit coming mm. and I haven't heard or seen from her since and I don't know and and I, and, I, and I and I hate that because yeah. I want I want to believe she's in a good place yeah uh, and i really i really hate that because i really liked that young lady and,
0: i had a friend and, uh, called that back problems yeah and i start don't start getting know. your stuff back you start getting your stuff back and
1: she might still you're be okay sober. yeah Who am I you never know do you yep i mean i met people that got we, yeah. sober without going to yeah so, or they know.
0: come and got sober and didn't need to stay
1: and didn't need to stay you Yeah, know, my
0: first know. four years of bombing around proved mm-hmm. to me that i was probably gonna have to stay
1: <laughs> i wanted to stay because i made some good uh, friends and yeah. i'm a social creature right yeah. so i made some friends I mean, like it really wasn't
0: a didn't want to stay thing it wasn't like i was repelled or anything mm-hmm. but i just thought i could like you know that, that i could like back way off and stuff and mm-hmm. or, you know once i and i did try that you know saying okay i will really you know i'll get a tourniquet on here and i'll do some big time stuff for a little bit but then once i get that taken care of then i can kick it into cruise control and Mm -hmm. Go once in a while And you know Once in a while Turned into never And a drink sounded good And Mm -hmm. you know I'd be back in again And then rinse and repeat Like you said earlier And and I realized That's probably You know My experience has shown for this dude.
1: That doesn't work.
0: That that perimeter play probably is not going to work for me. It no. didn't, work, didn't work for four years, and I feel real fortunate that, that was only a four-year period. Mm-hmm. The other thing was is that I, that day that I walked in there on uh, in 2011 mm-hmm. was off of what was essentially a bad weekend. Mm. It was, uh, you know, I'd had enough pills and liquor to last me a week of vacation, and I got home, and I ran out of pills. And back then, that wasn't cool. I needed both to be okay. Mm-hmm. And uh and and I didn't have a good weekend without that,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh and I hit a wall, and so ultimately that was a bad weekend. Everything was okay, really.
1: When you first got there.
0: When I come back in two thousand fourteen, mm-hmm. le- or late two thousand fourteen, things had gotten a lot worse. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a, I wasn't in that marriage that I had when I went on that vacation and had the bad weekend anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, things got things got a lot worse. So uh, you know, and I can share that with other people. I frankly, that's a, seems to be a pattern. You know, Uh have got some one chip wonders out there, mm-hmm. but most of us have to do this little path walking thing where we mm-hmm. wind and bob and weave until we finally end up whatever it is that why it clicks at a certain time. Whether if it's consequences are raised up enough, or you hit the right people at the right time, or both, the, all of that happens at the same time. I don't really sweat anymore. I used to get a little bothered when people wouldn't like do what I thought they should do. Because mm-hmm. I know what you should do to get sober. Mm-hmm. I can tell you. <laughs> but you, you just, just won't do
1: it. You just got to not drink. Stay yeah. sober.
2: Yeah. But, mm-hmm.
0: to, but if to, you want to get the juice. Get this work and if do you this, man. You to can juice. have this. If you want to be. Uh, and you refuse to do it because you think there's some other way.
2: Yeah, um, you met the dry drunk.
1: Well, there's one guy that, uh, I can't remember how long he was sober. Got sober all on his own. Uh you probably know him. And I'm not going to say his name. But um, I think he was sober three years until he finally came to AA because he was just, he was miserable. Uh, and I don't know who suggested he go to AA. Um, yeah, I he's a not that old. He's younger than, than you are, I
0: think. I have a really good friend. He was on the podcast. His name is Alex. He's, he was like sober four years or mm-hmm, something
1: mm-hmm.
0: And, and had run into some Buddhist monk was helping him meditate and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and stayed sober during that time. And somehow or another, he landed in an AA meeting somehow or another and realized that that was the whole thing the whole time. And
2: uh,
1: I think the important thing is having friends that are on the same path. And just like it was real easy for me not to drink Namwax, nobody we ran around with drank. And, uh, you know, I still needed uh, something to relieve my fear and anxiety about things. Uh, but but being a social person just hanging around people um, distracting my attention um, I didn't need to drink as long as I was around people but I couldn't be by myself
2: That's because interesting. I was so yeah. full of fear yeah
1: couldn't be by myself but it's easier not to drink when you hang around a bunch of people that don't drink yeah and uh, and so yeah. unless you're in the middle of this program if you come from a family background like mine where every time you went to a funeral the cooler beer was in the back car and you know in the
0: Completely normalized, like, I mean, you you and I were lots lot mm-hmm. the same way. Well, the alcohol was not a daily thing around my stuff, but mm-hmm. but alcohol was normal.
1: Mm-hmm. And Dad
0: always had some in the refrigerator.
1: Well, once my mother married my stepfather, he drank a case of beer a day. And uh, I was second oldest of eight kids. Dad died at 18. So or when I was 19, 18, I can't remember now. But, you know, all my little brothers grew up with somebody drinking a case of beer
0: every day Every day, yeah. no,
1: Good guy, but drank a case of beer every day. So... You know, their their stories were, were much more involved with alcohol than mine were. Um, and, uh, you know, he'd, he'd teach him how to be a man, but he also, you know, part of that was drinking all the time. And so... Um,
0: yeah, thank you, fact, know. you know, that's another one of these illusions, you know. I mean, it doesn't necessarily make you bad, mm-hmm. you know. And you don't necessarily have you... Uh, you know, all in all, you know, I wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't a bad dude. I was doing some bad things. Mm-hmm. But like all in all it's a little bit of negative bias in a way you know what mm-hmm. i mean for most part of the thing i was doing was all right except for that breaking in houses part
1: <laughs> i love when our when our friend joe says you know don't tell anybody you're an alcoholic the first thing they'll do is hide the silverware yeah because <laughs> <laughs> uh we can do some things we shouldn't do and i did things i shouldn't have done when i was when i was uh, drinking and sure most, i did had most you know wasn't illegal other than maybe driving sometimes when i shouldn't have been driving but uh I well, wasn't was like a, doing a lot of. Da-
0: I mean, I wasn't a bad dude, you know, and mm. and
1: I did the, uh, uh, did the, you know, things that we ladies that are around a lot of men don't don't need to be doing, because um, being afraid is uh, something that that was eliminated if I was around a guy that I thought could beat somebody else up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And when you're in a bar, you might need somebody like that by your side, right? So, uh, yeah, I was a little bit more flirtatious than I should have been when I was married, and uh, that's just something that's in most people's stories. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, if you're around the wrong people, they'll say you were a bad person. And if you're around the right people, they'll say you're just a fallible human being like the rest of us. So uh, I think that—I don't know what it says in the TSSR book. I need to buy one, but— I was thinking about that. If you could just take all the literature and say, we fallible human beings. Because the realities are, if you have problems with somebody that's an asshole, he's just a fallible human being. Whether he's an alcoholic, it doesn't matter, right? Yep. <laughs> we, we all have to understand that. And uh, I think one of your stories, and I don't know if it was your sponsor that said it, or something about, well, did you ever think your mother... Might Barry. have
0: had a rough time yeah, was, uh, growing up. My sponsor's up. talking to Barry. is in Barry, yeah. Barry's story.
1: Did you ever stop to think your mother might have had a rough time when she was growing up? Have you ever even stopped to think about that? Yeah. And um, I ran across a woman one time, and I got to spend a lot of time with her, and she had the most horrible childhood I ever could have imagined. And she was old enough at the time to talk about how horrible her dad's childhood was and how that had to make him the person. Mm. that became horrible to her she had done enough work that she was there when I met her mm. um, she was she was in another group of people that just walk a spiritual life it's a totally different group than we do but um, wonderful woman and learned a lot from her yeah that's about a, forgiveness
0: yeah right yeah
1: I can't imagine going through some of the stuff I've heard but i was very blessed
0: yeah there's been some people lay some stuff on the other side of this podcast table that about had me fall you know had took me aback too and, and most of us came from females of course that'd be where my reaction would be the strongest mm-hmm. you know when i hear that some gal has been hurt some way or what another you know i mm-hmm. it would hit me you know and i'm think about that watch them and and see that forgiveness and then they talk about it through this work of doing that uh i'm truly trying to get you know this gender balance thing a little better in here since i was wrangled all my men's group AA guys in here first. So uh, I, I, I do like to hear that, you know, and operating under that same principle of that, you know, in the book will say, you know, uh, granting people this spiritual sickness thing rather mm-hmm. than that. They're just an asshole. Mm-hmm. You know, And I get your point on that. That's mm-hmm. not a rebuttal to that. Mm-hmm. But as I operate my day to day, it's better for me to just figure that something, you know, like grant them that, that benefit of the doubt, that just something is not right at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. they've no telling what they're dealing with Mm -hmm. Uh, rather than to spend my spiritual energy Mm -hmm. being angry with them for Mm -hmm. whatever reason it is that they've got too many things in the checkout line or have Mm -hmm. cut me off Mm -hmm. no matter Mm -hmm. what car was in my position on that time of day Mm -hmm. where I was at on that road was getting cut off it wasn't about me so (laughs) they did um, not cut me
1: off going back to that that gender thing um one of the hardest lessons I had to learn is that, you know, he ain't wrong. He's just different. And, and he being the operative word there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do a lot of work. Um, this is before I ever got sober. I had to do a lot of work on the differences between men and women. And uh, that's another thing you can't say today. Um, <laughs> the differences. No, you can't say that. Uh, but when, when, it, when this person who happens to be female is with that person who happens to be male in the type of people that I associate with in those gender roles they're different (laughs) (laughs) and uh and I did a lot of research on the differences and how we think and um and why we why you know we're hardwired to need the things we need and they're different yeah and um and and understanding that and Using that phrase in that song, Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up To Be Cowboys, was where I got that he ain't wrong, he's just different. And I use that a lot. uh, Because working with people of your gender, um, until I learned that, I did think you were wrong. Because you didn't think the way I did. Until I learned that you couldn't possibly think the way I think. Because you're not me with long hair you know yeah if you get my drift because uh-huh. i can't ring ring hr um you can't possibly think like me and uh did a lot of research on that so there's a there's a guy and i just want to say this for anybody that wants to learn this information because he's funny uh, guy's name is mark gunger he does a youtube video about 13 minutes long if you want to get the gist of what he says i i went online in order to videos to show my girls when we were all getting together because the big issue with the girls are usually the guys they're with right yeah right so uh anyway it's called the tale of two brains t-a-l-e of two brains and there's a and he's a he's a he's a marriage counselor slash minister slash stand-up comedian and i heard about this guy a long time ago back before we had facebook or anything and one of my male friends sent me the little link to the to the video before we even had YouTube. And uh guy was so funny. Oh, my God, he was funny. And then somebody else had mentioned him again. And I thought, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I need to get this. And so I forced my significant other to watch it with me. And he did like all the men in the video that are sitting here with their arms crossed, my wife dragging me is damn I don't go as. and within five seconds those guys were laughing their head off so he explained the difference in the male brain and the female brain in such a way that it's comical yeah and, uh, and it was very very helpful to Tom and I to understand why sometimes he does things that I absolutely can't fathom now i know Hmm. and uh, now it's fun and now we have little buzzwords we use with each other because of that video that keep it real and light Light. and remind us that we ain't wrong they're just different and uh, you said the buzzwords you
0: know somebody has introduced me of late in the last and i've something i've been uh, offering people that i'm working with Mm -hmm. uh safe words i call mm-hmm. them but they're probably you know so that they can lighten the situation up mm-hmm. when things get into areas of uh that that are not okay to go in right now mm-hmm. and so that then it can be something funny and and you know what is just, it just i tell couples to make up their own come oh, up with something that means something to them you know i don't you know come up with something mm-hmm. and so that you got something that you can both kind of laugh at when mm-hmm. you, when it gets hollered out and mm-hmm. break the tension mm-hmm. uh, I'll hesitate a little bit, but I'll go ahead and do it. I don't know why I would not hesitate. So I sponsor one guy who I also am really good friends with, her, her husband. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's those things going on there that she's trying to work her work, and, mm-hmm. and he knows how she should work her work. And the guy <laughs> who listens to it, he's one of my super fans, so he'll know what I'm talking about. He knows <laughs> I'm just joking, but I think he'll understand what I'm saying at the same time. Uh-huh. You know, and they need something to to cut that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, well, just like everything else in this, well, sometimes we have gotta let people have the process, right, mm-hmm. and let them do their journey. And mm-hmm. and muddling in that usually is not the right thing to do. So they've had a, they've got a really cool, fun, safe word, and I'll let that be left secret uh, to, yeah, to yeah. you afterwards. But uh, but something to do that. And uh, my friend Shane is one who uh, he, he he has one with his. Uh, that's where I that's where I picked it up as some way to, with humor, uh-huh. uh, say hey, uh-huh. we're not gonna go there right now. Uh-huh. Without going, or, yeah, you know, because yeah, I mean, right. you can do that like in mixed company and nobody knows what you're talking about. Right. Uh-huh. But if you go shut your effing, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, that don't uh-huh. fly or the other stuff. And they get to break the tension without uh, making a scene, you know, and especially there's another thing. This is like in front of their children. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a terrible thing to do that. You know, the one mm-hmm. thing my mom and dad got were rarely ever argued or fought or anything. Mm-hmm. I, I, but the couple few times. Mm hmm. I do
1: remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you remember the negative stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. hmm Like Yeah. So that's a. It's a cool tool. Tool. And if you're using that. So his name was Mark Gunger. Gunger.
1: G-U-N-G-E-R. Yeah. Tale of two brains.
0: I just feed my brain today. That's what I do. If it seems like something, you know, and I listen and when somebody mentions something, I mentally note it. It's another one of these uh, gift things that my little computer up here is working pretty good nowadays.
1: Well, I mention it because the thing that I do know is there are people that if you told me I should read it, if you told me I should read something, I'd read it. Now, if somebody else told me I should read something, I might not read it. But if you told me I should read it, I would read it right and yeah. so uh I, I, I fully expect that you'll look this guy up. yeah, I'll, yeah I'll, i will <laughs> you know 13 and minute I, YouTube you video. used
0: talk about this other stuff i mean i don't think that happens by accident that's no. shared with me today that's shared with me because i'm supposed to i'm supposed to do that
1: came out of nowhere
0: mm-hmm. uh, we were talking earlier about something <laughs> about praying for help you said you pray for two years to not drink to not drink not, get, not drunk. get drunk you want to drink but not get drunk um mm-hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. I prayed for God to stop me because I knew my drinking was out of control and Mm -hmm. it was sometimes short of my 38th birthday, which Mm -hmm. would have been quite a while before I hit an AA meeting, Mm -hmm. a few years before my first one. Mm -hmm. And man, I really did. And I remember asking, you know, Mm -hmm. do something to stop this Mm -hmm. train wreck. Mm -hmm. And I was coming home from, I did a really great job at work one day, kicked Mm a lot of tail, decided to go out treat myself afterwards ended up way too drunk and mm-hmm. was on my way home and i got pulled over and went got my third dui at 38 years on my 38th birthday third my third mm. i got one when i was 16 one when i was 19 i went 19 more years without getting another one
2: mm.
0: uh, i didn't even know I, I i remember being shocked when i handed my driver's license to the end processing thing and the guy looked up and said happy birthday i've i didn't even dawn on me that i was my birthday and of course, I've told the cop that in the backseat of the car.
2: Mm. I've
0: been praying that I would get that something would happen stop. to stop me. And it wasn't like a, I don't know a couple of weeks later. Well, that wasn't it. <laughs> <laughs> that couldn't have been it. Uh, and keep on going. And I know, you, know uh, you. Your prayer was answered.
1: Well, I'd stop every year for Lent because that guy that I was with at the time who had the alcoholic father. I just just to prove to him that, that I wasn't an alcoholic, and uh, and also has. we had a nurse friend that said if you're if you're a real alcoholic you can't quit for more than four days or you go into DTS. Yeah. Um, now that's not really the real definition, and I learned that later, but that's what she said. So if I could go four days without drinking, I could continue to prove to myself that I wasn't an alcoholic, and and I never wanted to be one. I mean, you know, I remember watching that there was a movie with uh, Dick Van Dyke when I was younger where he was the alcoholic under the bridge, and then there was another one with. Uh, Jack Nicholson Yeah Where he had Come home drunk Threw his baby up in the air And didn't catch it Killed it And then you know Ended up being a street person Living in his car And then there was another one With Nicolas Cage I don't know if you Mm -hmm. saw that one And so I watched enough Of those movies That I knew I didn't want to do that And I did have An alcoholic grandfather That committed suicide And when I was about 17 No he did it After my dad got killed After? Yeah yeah Within the year After my dad got killed My grandfather Who was an alcoholic Who had quit drinking But you know He was miserable Then my dad got killed, and then he, and then he shot himself, killed himself. So, uh, you know, I always knew that alcoholism could progress in my life if I let it. So I was very cautious, and uh, I just prayed to God to keep me quit from getting drunk. Right? I just, I just don't want to get drunk. And please let me go back to that ability to have two drinks and not feel like I have to drink mm-hmm. anymore. I wanted him to put me back to that two drinks that I remember experiencing at the Ruth Chris that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I drank two drinks with the clients for dinner, and I did not want any more. So it took a lot longer to progress, and I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And here's your sign every week. Every week in that bulletin. Yeah, I, I went, went through to that too for a long we, time. Here's your sign.
0: I didn't want to be at church on Sunday morning. I was doing it was it was to make her happy.
1: Oh I wanted uh, to go to church. Yeah,
0: I didn't. I, I was loved still hung over. Uh I was drinking hard. You know, Saturday night was not you know, there wasn't uh-huh. a Saturday night for a lot of years where yeah. I wasn't you know, passed out drunk by the time I stopped in the evening. And whether if it was at home or out. Yeah. And, uh, and the last thing I want to do is get up in the morning and wrestle two kids around and get them out the door. So we have babies Yeah, yeah. and get them to church and then go sit in there.
1: Love that church.
0: Uh, and I have nothing against that. This was uh-huh. all my alcoholism. not yeah. wanting to go yeah. to church, but I go to church. Even at times I would pass on that bulletin, you know, cause you, that's mm-hmm. another one of things. You mm-hmm. almost feel like you lend a hand to you that mm-hmm. you should take one. There's a little bit of me. It's like, we don't both need one. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, mm-hmm. oh, that way I wouldn't have to see that in there.
1: It's not a bulletin anymore. Yeah, it's just a note card.
0: Yeah, whatever, what well, you know, I mean, it was, it used that. to actually fold and stuff, yeah, and had have a, quite a like one page, like a half a page of it would be like support group information and different things going on at the church and other things, you know. And it would have AA. Well, of course, it's at that church. At that one point in time, you know, there was out on AA, Alateen, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. NA going on mm-hmm. all at the same time.
1: They they want you to go to the website now, and they do still have a lot of support yeah. groups. They well, I
0: burn all, all that paper, right?
1: They just want it all, all on the website. So they give you a note card when you go. That's the way and have the world it. is going. Uh-huh. Everything
0: is, know yeah, That's well, the way everything is now. You can't be on the soccer team at school without having this app, and you can't be on, you know, here and there. and that uh, change? Yeah,
2: change again.
1: Have to make I hate change.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> had to make my kids' doctor's appointments through some other little app, you know, and you had to.
2: <laughs>
1: Better than calling and not getting an answer.
0: Yeah, yeah, it actually is. It's pretty convenient, but you had to get, you know, in. Uh, divorced parents, it's tough to work that out because, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know you HIPAA and, <laughs> and you have to make sure everybody's on board because there's some dads out there that moms don't want on that account, right? Uh-huh. Out uh-huh. in the world. Oh yeah. Okay. So then that makes, you know, I mean, you know, so that makes it a little more difficult to get on, you know, cause I had to make sure that mom you see, you've got to be permission and you vice gotta, versa same gotta, thing can mm-hmm. happen the other way around it can be, it's certainly not a one way street there but yeah everybody sends you to the computer now
1: how old is your youngest?
0: my youngest? Uh-huh. 14
1: okay so you still got a ways 16. to go before they're old enough that you don't have to get that permission yet
0: yep mm-hmm. yeah just mm-hmm. don't start driving in a minute they're both in the house
2: mm-hmm.
1: lovely uh, young people yeah thank yeah, you lovely young people
0: uh, So yeah them teenage years are fun yeah
2: you know, i don't know about uh, dustin who.
0: loves to work Does that's he? one thing i never thought that that would be you know i don't know but he's got a little job up there at the pizza king up you know on charleston road and uh 265 up there and uh and he, and he has never once he even he's had to call in sick and he's like bummed about it I man like wow i wasn't i wasn't expecting that
1: oh they're lovely young people did
0: his taxes that's yesterday uh for the first time ever you know he's uh, only 14 yeah you don't have to do But you don't have to pay no taxes, so you get they withhold anyway, right? So he gets all his tax money back, all all of it back. Mm -hmm. I ain't giving that away. I'll sit down and do his taxes.
1: I guess since I grew up in Kentucky, I didn't know you could work at 14 in Indiana.
0: No, he's 16.
1: Oh, he's 16. Your daughter's 14. Yeah, she wants a
0: job so bad she can't see straight. Except for she doesn't want to stay home on Friday and Saturday nights when all my friends want babysitters. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can get you jobs. (laughs) Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> it's just not, had, not when you mm-hmm. want them. <laughs>
1: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, she got she got things to do then, right? Yeah, yeah. She's a darling. She's I a darling. And I I enjoyed watching your family grow, just yeah. like you. I yeah,
0: and like that really was joy. man. I mean, uh, I will never forget those days, you know. And I and and I've told this story on here before, but you know, going out there and uh, the head an out Alatine and it was actually Renee, the you know mm-hmm. same person that said, well, "Why don't you see if the kids go over there?" And I, you know, I know everything. <laughs> They're not teenagers. It's, teen, it's our teen, dummy. <laughs> she goes over and asks. They say, sure, they can come. Let me talk to him for a minute and make sure, you know, let's see. Chris, mm-hmm. <laughs> took one look in that room and said, I ain't going in there. <laughs> I said, okay, well, you're going to have to go with me because I had an ankle bracelet on. And when they were with me, they had to go with me, you know. Mm-hmm. And if that meant going to meetings I, and that kind of stuff, I had to do what I had to do. And they were mm-hmm. going to sit in the hallway or whatever. And I, you know, Dustin said, Dustin is it to do? You go, well, you will you go try that. Yeah, whatever, Dad. So he started going. Chris mm-hmm. sat out in the hallway. And I, every week I would go pick up Chris at her dance and take her to that meeting. And I go, you have three choices. You can go in a meeting with Dustin. You can come into meeting with me because our meeting was pretty safe. Uh, there's some meetings, of course, they were like eight and ten then. She's yeah, like eight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that wouldn't be necessarily something I'd necessarily want to yeah. take my kids into, necessarily, not at that uh-huh, age. Uh-huh. Uh, that meeting was not one of those. Yeah, I right, felt right. safe enough. Yeah, it might be some little stream language once in yeah, a while, yeah. then, but it wasn't bad. Nothing they didn't hear out of me already. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you can go in meeting with me, go in meeting with Dustin. You can sit here in the hallway, and she sat there in the hallway week after week after week after week. And then one day, on the way to there, on the way to the uh, meeting, I pick her up at dance, head to the seekers meeting, and she said, "Hey, Dad." And I was like, "What?" I can still remember. It's one of the things you never forget. And I said, "She said, Hey Dad.' I said, yeah, what?" She goes, I "Think I can go to that meeting tonight?" That'll team meeting? She said, "Yeah." Said, well, I'm sure you can. You know you. She goes, Yeah, I think I want to today. I want I think I want to. I said, okay. And she said, uh I think she said, You think they'll let me sit with Dustin? <laughs> and uh and I said, Yeah. Now I later found out that a lot of times they won't let siblings sit next to each other because they won't stop bugging each other.
2: Oh.
0: Uh but apparently that didn't end up being the case. And I still I this is the other thing I can remember after a meeting. I remember we'd be fellowshipping in our meeting area. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And and when they let out, my kids would come over and hang out in a room with us until we were to leave, you know, mm-hmm. and I can still remember that day. She come busting through those double doors on the right closest to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Looked like there was three inches of air underneath of her feet. And mm-hmm. she come right up to me and she said, I love it. And so he was on fire with that for a yes, while and it really did I mean and, you know and it's that seed plant and stuff you know you never know what this stuff will do because like happy's another one you know grew up in outing uh-huh. but took the course anyway went the way he went yeah. you know uh-huh. so you, you can't ever i speak about that on a podcast quite often about this powerless thing about uh-huh. our children you know uh-huh. there's that's powerlessness is like yeah uh-huh. have a kid uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah to, to think you're gonna control that little thing uh-huh. <laughs> no yeah uh-huh. uh-huh. But, uh, mm-hmm. but I know that it has played a big role in who she is today. Both kids who they've turned into being today mm-hmm. because of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I sometimes have one, but I'll just say, again, I don't know why I even begin to to, to like censor it, but you know, both of them are into age where their friends and stuff are smoking dope and doing stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. they are.
0: And, uh, you know, at 14 is when I first started mm-hmm. drinking and doing other kind of things, mm-hmm. uh, smoking dope and, and uh, And they actually talked to me about it. I wouldn't have talked to my mom and dad about that for nothing.
1: My son came to me and scared to death. He has the same anxiety disorder that his mother does. He was scared to death. He smoked pot, and he thought he was going to be brain damaged for the rest of his life. I think he probably only did it once because it scared him so bad, but he likes his bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> He's 29 years old. He likes his bourbon. And I just pray that he won't go down the path I did.
0: Yeah, yeah, you, you, know, yeah, you know, can't can't necessarily saddle him up with that just because you drink. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Sometimes that's just a path we had to do, too, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, when them people first started saying, you know, almost cliches now, but then people I first started hearing them, people say, thank God I'm an alcoholic.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But today I wouldn't have what I have in my life today if it hadn't have been for slamming into a wall and getting this program as a way to operate today.
1: We wouldn't have any friends Yeah yeah. (laughs) Not any real ones I mean I mean I still have friends I I was very fortunate That I had Really good friends Mine have
0: pretty much Completely turned over And I won't say You know It's not that they're not friends They are friends In uh case you're listening to this But you know Um I can't be aligned with that today, mm-hmm. and I don't know what would happen long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my alcoholism was starting to drive me into an isolation type of thing because, mm-hmm. uh, well, a I needed you know uh, people knew I had a problem, and I needed to not let mm-hmm. them see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that meant drinking in isolation and hiding and mm-hmm. and not letting you see all that. So I would ended up driving that direction. So if I had any, I probably you're probably right. You know, any friends, uh, I was I was abandoning them. Mm-hmm hmm but yeah now the friends i have
2: mm-hmm
0: yeah crazy
1: well you never have to be alone again yeah that's the beauty of the program I mean, yeah, it's I, everywhere yeah, i can
0: hardly get alone
1: <laughs> i can go to a 12-step meeting and fit into any of them except for maybe gamblers anonymous i never went that route but
0: uh, no, i never did do that, that, that either that's that's something i never did my anxiety you've been talking about anxiety man uh-huh. uh, i could sit and shoot pool and we put a dollar on the table i'm going go to pot. Mm-hmm. Nothing like gambling will shoot my anxiety through the roof I cannot I cannot gamble
1: I did go the boat for a while And one time I, uh, I broke my rule And got went back and got some more money out of the ATM machine yeah. and, and it was something I could afford to lose But I walked out of there thinking You know, I got this person in my life That could have used that money And that was God's way of keeping me from getting into that addiction Because from that day forward I didn't even like Even when I won, I didn't feel good Yeah. It was like, I, I, I if I want to give away that kind of money, why don't I give it to somebody that needs it? Yeah. And uh, and so he, he stopped me from getting that, going down that road. But I sure have that sugar addiction now because alcohol is all sugar. Yeah. That's all it is anyway, sugar. So.
0: Yep, and it does. It makes you, it changes the way you feel. That's what, you know, it's kind of like how you don't like certain stuff, well, how we find in our drug of choices or whatever, mm-hmm. whether it is and why I'm not a gambler. That, that gambling drug did not make me feel good. No, made, me it didn't.
1: Mm-hmm. made me feel bad. Made me feel
0: bad. And some people's some people, alcohol makes them feel bad, but they're eating a lot. Well, or, my first
1: line of defense from drinking again is right now I'm not doing any recreational sugar because it's lint. My first line of defense is m so I'll do that first. And if I get so irritable, restless, fearful, and I don't get, get enough meetings, then I would smoke a cigarette before I'd go back to booze. I, I do know that I have...
0: Were you a smoker? A,
1: oh, yeah. Yeah. But that was another one of those, you know, started when I was 16, kept trying to quit when I was 17, right? And <laughs> once that addiction got a hold of me, man, yeah. I still crave it to this day, and I haven't yeah. had a cigarette since 2005. And I still crave it to this day, and I have empathy for these drug addicts because that craving for that nicotine is still there since yeah. 2005. Yeah, that's unreal. Um, and those people that get addicted to that... Particular line of drugs. I understand that craving is just as bad as nicotine, yep, it and is. it never goes away. Yeah. And I, I really pray for those people because I, by some miracle, miracles, I didn't go down that path. And uh,
0: yeah, Nick, I'm, uh, I'm frankly as proud of my nicotine quit, or maybe prouder of my nicotine. It, it felt harder. I don't really know if it was or not, but it felt harder to stop nicotine than it did to stop drinking and doping.
1: Physically, it was harder. Physically, it was harder. And I've done it a hundred times. Long longest I've made it so far yeah. now is this since 2005. But I quit one That's time for eight time. years and went back. So it when people you. would come back in the rooms, Alcoholics Anonymous, after not having partaken in booze for a while, and then going back out, I, I had empathy for them too. I mean, yeah. I knew, but I had the same problem with c- cigarettes. And, uh, you know, never let myself smoke, smoke more than a pack a day. You know, I mean, I had all these rules that I was never going to cross those lines, and I really fought that addiction hard. And and so 2005 is when I gave that up, and 2007 is when I gave up alcohol. And then uh, then I said, hey, what if I go back to uh, Weight Watchers? If I'm not drinking, it'll probably be easier because I spend all my bonus points on booze, right? Yeah. So I go back to Weight Watchers and, and lose the weight and then uh, step on the scale at gold weight, and uh, and haven't seen that size since, right? I mean, it's like, buy new clothes, boom, right back up again. <laughs> so it's like, well, okay, that didn't work. And uh, and so I, because I thought, now i got the key, the magic key to Weight Watchers is to keep coming back, keep going to meetings. And I kept going, and I was putting on weight. And I kept going, and I was putting on weight. Lucy was the was the woman over there. And, and uh, this was during the 08-09 financial catastrophe, and I work in the financial business. And I was putting on weight, and she said, what the heck's going on, Becky? I said, I work for so-and-so, and she said, say no more. My dad uh. thinks the world's coming to an end. <laughs> so at some point, I finally quit paying to get, to get on that scale and have to <laughs> Yeah, share the walk of shape, yeah. So uh, I'm still struggling with that when I ask God to, you know, take this desire to eat away now, but it sure is fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can uh, – right now I'm working – and, I, and actually, what I'm probably doing right now is I'm not eating enough.
1: I noticed that when I walked in.
0: And my, uh, my days are spent working, and I don't feel mm-hmm. like taking a break to go eat. Mm-hmm. And I don't like packing a lunch mm-hmm. anymore. I used to do really good at that when I sat at a desk. I was really good at packing a lunch mm-hmm. when I sat at a desk, mm-hmm. uh, going out and doing this. And I don't want to go eat the fast food, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that's all it's out there, really, mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. that perspective. So I still have yet to find a solution for it. Yeah, I'm... Uh, I'm
1: I'm doing the fast food because I, I get I have to eat because I get that, you know, shakiness and all that. And
0: I don't know and, why how I'm operating on it. You know, if I would look, if I started taking in looking at my cal- calories, I, I, am, I am frankly not eating enough.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't do that. My significant other can go all day without eating and not get not get that feeling, but I get that feeling that that yeah like that. really uh, irritable and uh, what well, they call it, hangry is yeah. the term they use yeah. now, I today's agree. terms. Yeah. Um, and so I have to eat something, so I have to resort to whatever's available. So I try to keep stuff in my office that's not bad, but it's hard to do. You know, it's hard to do. I don't stay home enough to cook. I, mean, that's the same I can, here. and I'm not too bad at it, but I yeah. don't. Yeah. Right?
0: yeah, same here. I have. Uh, I just don't cook much.
1: Now, you know, as old as I am, we're getting way past my bedtime already. Yeah. Not that it is, but by the time I get home and get settled in yep. a little... Take me a while to decompress. Well, I didn't want to
0: stop you at all because I watched the clock a little bit over here and I see how long they're going. Well, the I just realized there's
1: a clock up there and I thought, man, Dan and I, you, you and I could talk all night. Yeah. I mean, it's like there are people in this program you can do that with and I and I apologize if anybody's listening. <laughs>
0: You know, uh, <laughs> people will say, you know, for a while they would say that, you know, and, and my favorite, you know, what I got the podcasting bug off of is Joe Rogan. He goes three hours all the time. Does he? Uh, and, and I will sit and listen to it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and a pause button and I can pick it up after a while, mm-hmm. you know, and people go, well, I can't listen that long. I thought Nobody can, I mean, you know, there's very few people can listen to something three hours long. You don't bite it all off at once. You do it a little at a time. But I know a lot of people do this, that, that sit down and listen to this thing. I mean, there's a lot of people who sit down and listen to this thing on Sunday morning when it comes out.
1: That, um, that God thing showed me how to listen to it in my car. Yeah. And then when I get out, it stops. When I get back in, it starts right back right up. Right back up, up where it
0: left off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
1: it's like, that was a God thing. Yeah. I'm telling you it was a God thing because that's my meeting in the car. And I thank you for that. Well, I really you, thank you. You're for welcome. So t- it tickled I, me big time. You I know. shared it in last week's uh, meeting, and your brother was there. Yeah. Uh, That's another
0: miracle. You know, you talked about your bro- your brothers, and, you know, I didn't do anything to point him in this direction.
1: Yeah. Well, you helped my nephew, too. I mean, you pointed him in the right direction. Yeah, right. You did, and I'm very, forever grateful for that. And he, uh, he used celebrate recovery at his church to get sober. He liked that better, and that worked for him. Yeah. But uh, I appreciate you, you know, reaching out to him and you know helping him, taking him on his wing, and telling him your story a little bit because yeah. you know he. Uh he needed that little kick, and, and he's doing real good right now. Yeah, I see it. I'm mm-hmm. friends with him on Facebook. I oh, yeah, see he looks, good. and
0: you can look at somebody and tell whether if they're okay or not.
1: Yeah, yeah, you can, you can. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm grateful for him. We got We got to be quiet. So these, these people need to get you know get, get off the, get off their podcast and get to work. They're yeah. probably shirking some responsibility somewhere. If they're so. still listening to us.
0: So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, I I, I love you. I, love I have you I have felt that connection from the beginning, and you know the support that you've given me is something that uh, I don't know how you know that's it's just it just uh, can't be expressed in words how mm-hmm. how appreciative and how much how grateful I am to have you uh, walk into my life one Wednesday night on a on on, on a night I needed somebody like you.
1: Mm-hmm. There's a lot fun. of people Been there for us
0: Yeah Yeah and That's why when somebody says Help him Or mm-hmm. even hints You know It may mm-hmm. not be that language But that's what I hear mm-hmm. I go okay mm-hmm. Saddle up We're gonna go See if we can help I don't know if God wants me To help him or not I'm gonna try <laughs> We'll see So I uh, appreciate you Thanks for coming in here tonight Any final words? Good so, we'll clear up it up like I always do. If you're not having a blast in your recovery, it's your own damn fault. That comes off the bottom of the Daily Ponderables. It is a daily reader. So, I lifted that, too, uh, like a lot of this stuff. And finally, like I said a little while ago about happy story and Happy telling me that that night, uh, thank you all for allowing me, us, to participate in our recovery in this manner tonight. Peace out.